So, you've decided to listen to a podcast. I'm Craig, Neil Before Pod's very own Captain America, bringing you this important public service announcement. I'm sitting backwards on my chair to prove how cool I am and everything. Before this podcast begins, I'd like to extend a huge apology for the audio issues and background noise that exists throughout. The recording was marred by a few issues, but we powered through and got the job done. I'd like to encourage you to power through as well and enjoy our detailed discussion on Avengers Infinity War. Satisfaction is guaranteed. Hi there, this is Victor Cook, the executive producer and supervising director of Stretch Armstrong and the Flex Fighters, which you can watch on Netflix. I was also the producer and supervising director of The Spectacular Spider-Man, and I want to wish all the fans of that show a happy 10-year anniversary. You are watching Neil Before Pod. Neil Before Blog presents Neil Before Pod. And welcome to another avenging edition of Neil Before Pod, the podcast that scared the Hulk. I'm your host, Craig, and I've opened up my flip phone to assemble a group of heroes to discuss the latest Marvel epic, Avengers Infinity War. First up, we've got our own pirate angel and god of hammers, it's Kat. Hello. Uh, Next up is our resident Goldblum, a woman who takes great delight into forcing us podcasters with jobs to fight amongst ourselves, Natalie. choked on my own tonsils or something there. I don't really know what happened. <laughs> Someone enjoyed her introduction? Yeah. I know, I was like, where is this going? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was so nice. I'm so sorry for choking on it. <laughs> <laughs> I have no words. Anyway, hello. Hi. <laughs> sorry. Uh, last I'm really no looking forward to this. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Uh, last but by no means least, he's still obsessed with dark dimension known as the internet and can be found upsetting people in comment sections. It's Isaac. Yay! Yay. I'm back. <laughs> okay, so how is everybody? Ready for this group therapy session that is an Infinity War discussion? Oh, don't oh my gosh, even. I think it's going to be necessary. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Like what? I can't. Well, you can't say that. That's like a spoiler. No, it's not. That's, it's not a spoiler to say it might upset people. It is a little. It feels like <laughs> although, a spoiler. Although everybody's everybody's been talking about it, yeah. Okay, so we all saw Infinity War over the last week or so. Uh, it's been mm-hmm. about two weeks, week and a half, something like that. Uh, and it's safe to say it's had an effect. It's definitely had an effect on people, so... Uh, Natalie, do you want to go first? What are your thoughts? Whoa, I never get to go first. Well, um, first time for everyone. <laughs> thanks. Hi. Uh, spoiler free. Spoiler free. Um, do I talk about my emotions? If you want, as long as you don't spoil why you feel those emotions. <laughs> okay, so I was really happy and joyful and and sorrowful and all of those fills I don't know I'm just feeling like it was awesome but now I'm really sad cool 
<laughs> Isaac, what are your thoughts? Oh yeah, it was pretty fun. It was kind of like, like it got a bit predictable, and it was, but it's kind of like, it was okay. We will come back to that in the spoiler section. There's a bit of that yeah. to be continued. Yeah, I'm really interested. Yeah, I'm really interested to hear what you've got to say. We will find that out. That sounds crazy. Maybe. Kat, what did you think? Now you've had a week to week or so to digest it. You were on the 4am podcast where we were all a bit yeah. tired and blindsided. So <laughs> A bit delirious. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think I'd, I'd say I very much agree with Nat. I'm very, you know, it was awesome, but I'm really sad. And like, I've seen it another time since and the, uh, the emotions were still very much the same. Um, you know, without any spoilers, like, I would say it's, it's very much, you know, it feels like the culmination of ten years of, of cinema. It's, it's definitely got a magnitude to it that a lot of the other films, you know, have only ever hinted at. This definitely, you know, brings all the, the cosmic sort of consequences together in, in quite a good way, I thought. And... Yeah, I mean, it didn't go where I thought it would go, but where it did go broke my heart um, in in ways that I definitely did not expect. So, you know, there's that. Uh, ultimately, yes, like, great, great experience watching it, but obviously, you know, from a storytelling standpoint, they did good. They broke our hearts in a million pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, I would, I would agree. I, would, I think it's still quite a devastating, quite bleak viewing experience, but kind of in a good way. Uh, it's, you know, the first Avengers film, as I talked about on our magnum opus before, was, uh, you know, it made me feel really excited and really, you know, switched on. I was ready for, for more action, so to speak. But this is kind of the opposite, but it's the intended opposite. So it does make me feel a bit deflated by the mm. end of it. I mean, it is great. I love seeing all the characters come together. I liked all the little groupings. I loved all the interactions. It just all came together really nicely for me. And uh, mm. one, possibly one of cinema's best villains as well. One so, is, whoa, what a sweeping statement. I know. Mm-hmm. But we'll go into more why uh, shortly. Okay. Yeah. So um, those are my kind of spoiler-free thoughts. If you want a bit more incoherent spoiler-free thoughts, listen to... Uh, 20 minute discussion that happened at 4 in the morning uh, <laughs> when it came out that'll be in the show notes you can click on that and, and listen to that it's it's delirious is what it is <laughs> so if we all have nothing else to say without spoiling it I will uh, snap my fingers and take us into the spoiler section huzzah yeah, it's not very, I, would, I would say huzzah yeah that's yeah. it's, it's, it's <laughs> the opposite of a huzzah but <laughs> Yeah, whatever the stage may be. Yeah. Well, is everybody ready to descend into spoilers? Yeah, Born ready. Up. Now we can say whatever we want. Right, so start with story. I mean, we'll chuck in everything, but story is a good place to start. Uh, the thing that struck me about this more is that it's not really an Avengers film. It's a story about Thanos that happens to have the Avengers in it. Well, the Avengers and the Guardians of the Galaxy, they're not technically on that team. So... I thought that approach was really interesting because if you look at Thanos' arc, it is very much a kind of... It's a three-act structure. You know, he wants something, he gets something, and 
uh, by the end of the film he essentially achieves what he sets out to do uh, and everyone else is just kind of moving around within that and getting in his way so that approach was interesting and the fact that they're basically introducing this character in this film it was arguably necessary to make him work as a villain uh, what's everybody think about that? I don't know that I would say this is a film about Thanos. Um, it definitely has a lot more of him than any other Marvel movie has, you know, deigned to include its villain. You know, we've we've seen a lot more of his story and his kind of side of things to understand him more. Um, but I don't know that this is more of a Thanos film any more than it is, you know a film about any of the other characters. I would say that it, it very impressively brings a very large cast of characters together and it manages to be a, a, a multi-ensemble film that, you know, like, we get we get everybody's bits and bobs and, and you know, in a, in a very satisfying way. Like, I thought it would feel messier, if you know what I mean. Like, I thought it would feel... Like, like there's too much going on that we can't keep up, but everything somehow is more coherent in this film than in a lot of previous Marvel films, um, which have felt a lot messier than this. Uh, it's yeah, but I, I don't know that it's that it's Thanos's movie. Um, yeah, I don't know about that. His his art drives the film though. Like everybody reacts to what he does, uh, and yes. obviously it begins and ends with him. And he is the one sure. that has more of an arc than anyone else does. I I have to say, I don't think it is a film with Thanos. You've got too many characters for it to be, for you to, to say it's just about this one person, you know? He's he's the bad guy, but that doesn't mean that for any movie that's got bad guy that the film's about them. No, and in most of, well, in previous Marvel films, the villains have suffered because they don't spend enough time on them. But the, mm -hmm. this is you know the opposite and it's not that the the other characters don't do anything or don't experience anything or or don't develop in any way it's it is predominantly his kind of his journey you know and, and i saw someone but it's all of their journeys so it's not just his i think that this film was so successful because it's looking at so many people's journeys and what they're doing in fact it jumps to so many different ones that I don't, yeah, I just don't, I get what you mean, that he's like this weird, he's like the driving force of a lot of the characters' actions, but that doesn't mean the film is just about him, or that it's a film about him. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Uh, just me personally, I feel like it's predominantly about him, because, you know, it's <clears throat> his, his story in effect, it's what he's looking for, it's what he achieves, it's what he wants. Uh, everyone else just has to try and stop him. With mm. A great degree of futility, it has to be said. Uh, it's also a film that's about loss and defeat, because everybody loses and de is defeated. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't think like it's not like it's still like an Ultron. They still focus on his beginning and stuff. So I wouldn't say Thanos is any different to the other ones. Like they always introduce the villain in that like the film and. We do see a lot from his perspective, and like we sit down with him more than the other villains, and he has a chat and whatever. But I don't think he's like it's not entirely from his perspective. I, don't I think there's there's problems with certain. Well, the main one is they spend ages and ages in what 
kind of feels a bit like sort of a PS2 style quest building Thor's new hammer. But then, like, I love that. But then I just think there's a bit where really important stuff sort of like zoom past. Like, there's a bit where like, oh, no one in the you, no one has ever seen or found the Soul Stone. Gamora, have you been looking for it? Oh yeah, it's here. It's on this planet. But then you like, so that's like that's like, and there's like, it seems to be somewhere out of nowhere. It's like, oh yeah, I don't have found it. It's here. Let's go got it. But then we got oh, but in the meantime, oh no, the, there's a slight defect on the machine that builds your new axe. So he's got to go fix this thing. And there's a lot of focus on him building his new hammer, and everything else just sort of well, not everything else. But, I don't think that there's disproportionate focus on the hammer. The hammer is just one of several. You know, it, it's like saying there's a disproportionate focus on Iron Man and Spider-Man being like on a spaceship with Doctor Strange. Like it's just one of the stories. It's not. I, I don't think that it's that it's that it focuses on that any more than it does on the other stories. I think it'd be more like it's the least, like it's it's the least interesting story. Speak seems for to, yourself, friend. But it seems, yeah, I know you're a big Thor fan, but it's like, it's the least, like, of all the, like, you know, finding out about the, like, the Infinity Stones and stuff, and, like, trying to protect the Time Stone and where the Soul Stone is and everything, like, do we need to see, like, there's a lot to get along in this film, and a lot of it is, oh, let's go build a hammer. Like, I don't know how to say that, I think there's a lot of, like... I don't think that that is, like, a huge part of it. There's like, you know, do you mean like the questing of it or the physical making of it? Well, they went to the, like, sort of from the going off with Rocket and Groot, and they went to the star, and it's like, oh, the star's out, and they meet Peter Dinklage, and then they have to do various things to get the star back going again. Maybe you just find that part of the film really interesting that you thought that the whole film was just that. Because that's such a small part of the film. Like, they disappear for so long. There's a point when I'm like, where's Thor? Like, bring me Thor. And I whooped out loud. I was like, woo! Like, whenever he came back, because I was like, mate, we've missed you. He was away for too long. He does have a bit more screen time than I think some of the others. Captain America, for instance, who I think has about ten lines, maybe. Yeah, know. but what's he gonna do? He can't do anything. He can do things. No, not really. I think that the story focuses more on the cosmic part of of like the the, the side of the Avengers and like Guardians of the Galaxy that that's more space focused because that's where Thanos comes from. And you know, say what you will about Steve, but he bless his heart is not a cosmic superhero. He's very much Earth-based. His his powers are very much, you know, punch bad dudes in the face sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, I love him, but that's but that's it. And, like, what can, yeah, like, what can Steve do in the face of Thanos? Like, he just gets punched in the face, like, really hard, and then that's it. <laughs> Game game friggin' over for Captain America. Like, that was really swift. Um, but I really think that the next film, and I suppose that's, you know, that will come later in the podcast, like, we're gonna, we're gonna get to that, like, where we think the story will go, but, um, I think the next film will have a lot more Captain America than this film did. And that's okay. Like I said, a little bit of a balance, I think, is good. Uh, I felt that the story focused on the right parts 
for for you know Thanos' story to make sense for us to understand you know where he's coming from where you know like all this infinity stone business is finally concluded and the characters who have had more dealings with the infinity stones they're at the focus and i think that's great um i think it works obviously you know they couldn't have had an equal share of time between is it 64 characters or something crazy like you can't possibly share screen time between that many people and you know in an equal way and have that be like a story that makes sense like obviously you're gonna have to shift focus here and there and this is a two-parter which you know people forget sometimes i think it's fine that some people didn't get as much screen time they'll get their turn and it's gonna be probably equally devastating i am sure (laughs) but he does get screen time because there's the whole area when they're in wakanda that's just oh yeah for sure yeah 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 it's not that he's not in it earthbound people he may be on screen but he doesn't say very much Mm mm-hmm yeah uh same with black widow uh she says two or three lines I think it's not many. But yeah, but she's typical in this, though. Yeah, yeah she does have some really cool. Like yeah, well, absolutely. I was going to say that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but the the thing is, if you look at all three as we have it now, Avengers films, if you look at the screen time across all three of them, it probably evens out pretty much. You know, because Thor had very little screen time in Age of Ultron, but he has much more screen time here. So it's kind of like. Whoever's directing Avengers films is kind of bearing in mind, right? Who who had less last time? We'll give them a bit more this time, you know. But but the thing is, though, like they they shouldn't all be equal. They're not equal. Like, why should they have their time divided up? They're not equal. Well, they're all stars of their own franchises, so you know. Do you think it also matters on? I think there's one franchise, Craig. I think this is just the one franchise. Not everybody has a franchise. It's the, the MCU is the franchise, isn't it? Yeah, but you have the Thor sub. Like they're all stars of their own movies. Yeah. Uh, no, it's it's a series. I don't know that I would call it a franchise. Anyway, I mean, I don't know. Do you think the the effect of the previous film? Because like you were saying, Thor's not in Age of Ultron much, but that was after the Dark World, which isn't like mm. liked by everybody. But everyone loved Ragnarok, so they were like. Mm-hmm. So I guess he went like, well, put, put more of him in because he was really popular. I think by the time they knew how popular or unpopular these films were, it was too late to make too many changes. Because remember, these are all being scripted and prepared and produced at the same time, more or less. Well, oh, don't tell me that. It ruins the magic. <laughs> so it's, you know, the thing is, Black Panther isn't in this film as much as people expected him to be because... They had no idea how popular it would be while they were making this film to begin with, and a lot of mm. his a lot of his filming when this film was being filmed would have been well, Black Panther was being filmed, so not as much time to to bring T'Challa in either. Yeah, it's an interesting thing. Yeah, it's like the mechanics but also he just had like a whole movie a few months ago. <laughs> yeah. So you know, I like that's to... that's hmm. quite alright now. I thought I was going to see more of him, to be honest, because I thought that that's what the whole point of us getting to know. The Black Panther, you know why? Why he was even? Why we were even bothering to? I get think. To know I him. think the nah, Well, I think as I said, you know, I, I think that with the Black Panther movie, like we got to know Wakanda and we got to know the tribes and like you know Mbaku and Okoye and Shuri and like all of these people, so that when they show up in Infinity War, they don't need to introduce them 
or have any other kind of like sub story going on. Like they've mm-hmm. had their story, they've had their yeah. conclusion. Now here's their contribution to Infinity War. Yeah, you know, and like, they all got not, not everything. I mean, you know, like not everybody's gonna have like a, a the same sort of effect. Especially, as I said, when dealing with cosmic things. Like, what's, you know, even though T'Challa's great, and he has the great suit, and, like, you know, all those spiritual powers and stuff, but, like, what's he gonna do against Thanos and, like, the six Infinity Stones? Like, But they've got yeah. magic. They've got, like, they've got <laughs> magic. A little bit. Mm. <laughs> I hope we get to see Okoye as the next Black Panther in the, in the next one. <laughs> Yeah, I love her. She's great. She's the best one. <laughs> She's the best part. Exactly. Thank you. She's the it's best part about Black Panther. Watch Black Panther, man. She's amazing. Wait, has Isaac not seen Black Panther? No, I missed I'm not seeing that one. It's on DVD. Yet. Oh, it's, it's really good. I, yeah. Yeah. Well, that was the best line of this one was where she was like, oh, when he said, we're opening Wakanda to new things. I thought you meant the Olympics or Starbucks. <laughs> yeah. I'm just thinking, oh, what would, what would Wakanda Greece. be like in the Olympics? Do we just get golds and everything? Everyone there is an athlete. <laughs> it'd be, it wouldn't be funny. It'd be, <laughs> although they couldn't enter T'Challa because he's taken that Black Panther herb thing. So, you know, that would be like... Oh, yeah, doping. Yeah. So there's a thought. Wakanda Every Marvel Olympics. superhero is at some point taking some substance. <laughs> <laughs> super oh. it's super fun. <laughs> Sometimes accidentally, though. Yeah. yeah. He still did it. Whether they were conscious of it or not, he still did it. <laughs> yeah, that's I mean, Captain, Captain America's just a walking bag of drugs. Like <laughs> He is a drug. Yeah, all those people that spent like, decades... <laughs> Hell <trying> yeah! To... <laughs> all those people that spent decades trying to recreate the super soldier serum and then the same thing essentially grows in Wakanda. You know, so... Uh, what a lot of wasted time for the mm. Western world. Yes. Because <laughs> uh, you, you see that when uh, Cap and, <laughs> and Black Panther are running into battle, like they're running at the same pace and, you know, they're about as strong as each other and as fast as each other and all that stuff. They're, they're basically the same power set. Yes. So in terms of the kind of character distribution, I thought it was about right. I mean, there's maybe some characters I expected to see a bit more of, but I think... Um, you know, that that's more personal preference than anything else. You know, I really like Captain America, so I wanted to see a bit more of him, but I understand why there wasn't a bit more of him. Uh, Thor's quest to build a hammer, the mechanics of it, as in the I have to go here and do this, may not have been as interesting, but I liked his interaction with the Guardians. I thought that was, yes. uh, that was brilliant. And that's what made it. I, um, I absolutely loved all of the all of the banter between him and uh and and Chris Pratt, they were like, oh, it was like so adorable. <laughs> Loved it. When he was all feeling threatened and had to put on like a nice little accent and stuff. And I was like, oh, you're so cute. So, Star Lord yeah. feeling emasculated by the presence of Thor. Yeah, it was really cute. I, I can't argue that anyone else wouldn't feel the same. If Chris Hemsworth wandered in, I think I'd feel a little bit threatened as well. Well, it was adorable. <laughs> I think he just has that effect on people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I also liked the discussion that was kind of uh, about how Peter Quill is one sandwich away from being fat. I thought that was really funny. And it's, you know, a good reference to I love that they addressed it because yeah. he, yeah, he definitely put on weight. 
he absolutely put on weight and I love that they they addressed it within the film <laughs> and it was a very Peter Quill thing to say like yeah. do you think I'm fat what <laughs> Gamora you think <laughs> like that was great <laughs> yeah like Chris Pratt is more of an Andy Dwyer than he is a Star Lord isn't he you know he's it's true well I think well no I think Star Lord has a lot of Peter of of, of um sorry of Chris Pratt in him like um, I recently watched The Magnificent Seven and he's basically Star-Lord but a cowboy like that's it it's just like just, the just same character of, like, I just mean in terms of physique uh, he, he has always uh, really I, admitted that he, he was Andy Dwyer first yeah. I was meaning uh, I think he said himself he's naturally a bigger guy and uh, he had to con- for sure yeah, yeah. He, he lost a lot of weight for the first Guardians film um, but yeah, like I, I love that you know the the physical difference was um, addressed within the film, and you know it made for some humorous banter. Yeah, I thought it was really great. Yeah, and it didn't affect him in like the action sequences any. He was still jumping around, running around. Of course, yeah. Yeah. Are uh, you guys saying that he's fat? Because he's not fat. No, he's not fat. He's course, not but... fat, but he put on weight. He definitely de- like. He's he's definitely bigger than he was in the Guardians movie. Well, I still think he's really hot, so... Well, yeah, like, not in a fat, unattractive way, but he put on weight. Like, it's it's possible to put on weight and still be attractive. <laughs> That's, that is definitely a possible thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Plus, plus, next to Thor, I think anyone looks fat, so... That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but that that was um, that was some of my favourite banter in the film. This is speaking of someone that didn't wasn't crazy on, well, more the first Guardians film than the second. But um, I think Thor fed into that, that kind of tone very well, especially after Ragnarok. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was yeah, of, of course. And it wasn't jarring after it just being all this dark stuff for Thor. He was still kind of joking about and. Um, mm. You know, I don't I don't need a spoon. Well, yeah, hand. but that's because. That's actually uh, something that Chris Hemsworth said. Like, he expressed uh, a concern that his scenes, originally the script, the um, the Thor scenes were much darker. But he said, you know, we've just come out of Ragnarok, and there was a lot of humor in that, and it doesn't make a lot of sense for the Thor scenes to be super dark. Like, there should be a little bit more humor. And so they rewrote some of the scenes to be funnier, following like the the tone shift in Ragnarok, which I think makes a lot of sense. I thought that Ragnarok was, if anything, closer to um, Guardians of the Galaxy in terms of tone than it was to any of the other Avengers films. Um, If anything, like I thought that Ragnarok was a great bridge to bring in that kind of like wacky space kind of aesthetic into the MCU as a whole. And I think we definitely saw a lot more of that in, in Infinity War. Yeah, and um, I like that you kind of got a bit more of the, um, just the, the kind of, the blundering Thor as well, you know, when he comes into a situation and he's just stoking about, just breaking stuff. Uh, yeah, he's always, always been fun. that guy. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's always been the guy who just charges in, asks questions later, he would rather just like, hit some people with a hammer then you know come in and do diplomacy and talk his way out he's not great at that but he's yeah. great at punching his way out of things and i think my favorite scene in the film was the the scene he had with rocket just before they got to um 
I can't pronounce the name of the. I've forgotten the name of the place. Uh, Nadavalier. Yeah, that. Yeah, the the, the yes. dwarf star place. Uh, but where he was talking yes. about everything that he'd lost and how that had motivated him, and he was at the point mm-hmm. where you know he doesn't feel like he could lose anything else. And but it's the kind of like the tear yeah. in his eyes. He said that. I thought it was it was really good. Mm-hmm. It was almost like yeah, he was trying to he's been through himself. a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Guys, I want to know why we started to talk straight away about all of this. We didn't even talk about the fact that what the f- the first two minutes of the film and we've lost Loki. Are you joking? Oh yeah. Ooh yeah. Ooh, you have a major point here. Okay. Who? Yes. Right. So. Because uh, like the film starts. <laughs> the film starts, and then that happens, and I was like, "What the f- is going on?" So. Funny story, um, my best friend uh, and I, we've, we've been obsessed with Thor since, like, 2009 or well, 2010, whenever, the, whenever Thor came out. Um, and, so, and, she, and she's a massive Loki fan. And before we went in to see the film, I kid you not, a day before, two days before, she turns to me and she says, here's what I think will happen. Uh, we're going to open up with... Uh, the the Asgard ship in pieces. Everybody's dead. Loki will die doing something stupid, and then Thor will get picked up by the Guardians of the Galaxy. And I'm like, I don't think that's gonna happen. I'm pretty sure that you know, like Loki will survive well into the conflict. And we all know that what happened is exactly what she said. And I'm like, how did how 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 could you possibly like predict the entire fir- the, like beginning of the film? What? What? And I'm still, I'm still kind of mind yeah. blown over this. I'm still like, I can't, after I can't even. Comic Con footage came out because they showed the Thor Guardians footage at Comic Con like last year. Uh, no, before. Well, oh. she was the. I don't think that she keeps track of these things, so she didn't. Oh, she didn't watch any of that. Yeah. Um, if anything, she was watching um interviews from the press tour on YouTube. And she noticed that all of the cast members were like, oh, we have never met Tom Hiddleston until just now. And she was like, wait, if he didn't film any scenes with them, that means he dies early. (laughs) And so by extrapolation, she came to the conclusion and she was right. (laughs) Uh, She very often is. Although Tom Um, Holland was talking about how he was like acting against just some random guy with, you know, with CGI balls on his face, who would eventually yeah. become Benedict Cumberbatch. So, like, maybe that's just a special thing they do for Tom Holland because he can't be trusted. But <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but it, you know, yeah. it, it could be that actors weren't always in the same room and they were sharing scenes together, which is a bit, mm. which is a bit kind of Star Wars prequely in ter- in terms of production. <laughs> but it doesn't show, which is good. No, if, it, for if sure. that's what they did, you know. But yeah, yeah. Loki's death. I kind of. I wouldn't say I was shocked by it because I was kind of expecting it, mostly because I think Mm -hmm. as a character in this franchise, there's nowhere else for him to go because he's been the, you know, he's been the betrayer, he's been evil, and now he's been redeemed. So what's Mm -hmm. left other than him just, you know, like Spike and Buffy will just hang around despite the fact that there's no place for him anymore. (laughs) So um, I think it's probably the logical point for Loki to go off, you know, and I think maybe death is brutal, but... It's, it's you know it's a good end point for him. He ends hmm. kind of on a on a high note. I'd say yes, but also like I think we underestimate Loki's role in the MCU as a whole. Like really, if we if we look back at 
the MCU proper, um, everything bad that happens can be directly traced to Loki. Uh, if if Loki hadn't been like, okay, I'm gonna banish my brother to Earth and try to rule, um, we wouldn't have had like everything that happens in the first Thor film, obviously, uh, and then him at the end uh, being a petty little like weasel saying oh you know like my brother says okay i can come back but no i'm gonna like go floating off into space and make a deal with thanos to rule earth in exchange for uh, an infinity stone so then he comes to earth avengers movie happens uh directly linked to loki being a little snivelly like ugh. anyway um <laughs> i love him but also my god <laughs> Um, and then uh, everything everything that happens in like w- with the like like towards uh, the age of Ultron so like uh, any everything that happens with the Mind Stone Wanda Maximoff getting her powers Ultron being created Vision being created all of those things it's because Loki messed up lost the Mind Stone had to go back to Asgard. Um, Ragnarok happens because Loki has been just like not not paying attention over the nine realms. Meanwhile, Thor is going around trying to find Infinity Stones. Um, just like everything, everything could go go back to just like ah, boy, <laughs> you just want to sit him down and roast him. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. A lot a lot of plot can be connected to him. And, yeah. Yeah, but but his certainly at the end point of uh, Ragnarok was the point where he was, you know, redeemed or as redeemed as he. Yeah, came he in. finally came round. Yeah, 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 I agree. Yeah. Or he came round for that week. I don't know. He, <laughs> well, I mean, he's not for completely a hot redeemed second. because he because he yeah. picked up the tesseract. He was like, I'm having this. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, yeah. So again, it's his fault that all of Asgard's people are dead. Or exactly. Dead. It's just, this boy just can't stop. <laughs> so it's nature. I don't think he can help it, though. Yeah, it's you true. Know? It's true. <laughs> like a wild animal. Yeah. But before he dies, we lose Heimdall, mm-hmm. which is a shame. I know. But also, uh, he's time. also like, really good looking. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Who was it that called him Jesus, like, like Black Jesus, because he helps people? <laughs> um, I think it was, like, like one of those viral tweets. So, someone's kid said, you know, oh, like, I want to see I want to see the Jesus guy. And the dad was like, who? <laughs> well, you know, the guy who was, like, helping people and saving them and taking them to the mountain. And the dad was like, do you mean Heimdall? <laughs> and I just love that. I love, like, dreadlock, like, Rainbow Bridge Jesus guy. Yes. <laughs> yeah. uh, no I love Valkyrie or Korg, though. Yeah, exactly. Like, the, the Valkyrie thing, I'm very upset. I would be very upset if it means that she died off camera and that we never get to see her again. I... <laughs> will scream if that's what happened. Um, uh, something that Thor says. Thor says that Thanos killed half his people. So maybe half his people are still alive? If you look at the opening shot, there's another, hmm. there's another half of the ship, another section of the ship that's off to the side. Ah, so maybe yeah. she's on that? Who knows? Yeah, she must be, because... Yeah, because Thor doesn't say that he wiped out all of his people, which when he uses the power stone to blow up the, the ship, then that would be all of the people. Mm. Um, so I think that 
there's a bunch of Asgardians sitting on the other side, other half of the ship, just terrified. Yeah, I'd like I'd like to think that Valkyrie's not dead because she's too she's too big a presence to just you know be rid of off camera. I wouldn't like that. I don't think that that is fair to her character or to Tessa Thompson for that matter. No, uh, I'm still holding out for a Valkyrie's movie. I think oh yes, because I think there's a lot yes, set up like there's a scene that. where the Okoye, Scarlet Witch, and Black Widow fight thingy. Valkyrie's introduces like oh there's this whole like group of like female yeah. cool warriors and then like yeah it was really develop those characters yeah. and then captain marvel's coming up so yeah let's have maybe have like a valkyrie movie oh that's that would be amazing yes like i know like people are saying like, they want the solo black widow movie but maybe just do a, a valkyrie no give movie. us a valkyrie movie yes we have a whole valkyrie movie mm-hmm. <laughs> or some kind of female avengers type situation yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> don't see why not it would make all the money. Why not? It would make all the money. Or make some of the money. I think this film's making all of the money. I think it would. Uh, that's true. Okay, yeah. In comparison to Infinity War, I guess it wouldn't make that much money. But it would make a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, so those deaths were, were early on. And there is the potential for them to be undone. Although I don't think they will be. Mm, um, yeah. I think any death that you see sort of happen at Thanos' hand in this film will be permanent. With the exception of <gasps> one, I what? think, potentially. What? Two. You think, you think, so you think even at the end that that's, like, permanent? No, I, I, I mean, for the one where Thanos physically kills someone. You know, oh, right, okay. With bare hands. Yeah, okay. Uh, although I think vision will be undone. Possible. I, th- I think possibly Gamora will be back. No, we'll, well see. Like, like I was saying to you before we went, like I was saying to Craig before we went in, Gamora can, like one of the Guardians of the Galaxy can die forever, but they can still make Guardians movies. So it seems the obvious one. If you're doing any big permanent deaths, kill off a Guardian. Because mm. like if you kill off Thor, then you can't make any more Thor money. But like if you killed off, well, say Gamora, more like if it was Star like she's the most expendable. Like they have, because so they, they, yeah, because they're only in group movies. You can you can lose a couple of them. Oh my god! Make, I, so yes. make, <laughs> I suppose Joey Saldana is going to be filming a million Avatar sequels for the next. It's going to be filming a million Avatar sequels. I still don't think those are happening, but anyway. Yeah. Well, no, they're. they're I are. I don't know how I feel about that. Like soon, but uh, yeah. Who wants them? Well, nobody nobody wants them. That's the thing. Like they can make them, but nobody wants them. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I think. Um, because I'm sure that, that Zoe Saldana made some song and dance about she was doing scenes for the fourth film. Mm. She mentioned that. So well, I, I mean, I have a theory. Kind of head trip stuff. Yeah, I ha- no, well, no, I I have a theory about where they they might take Avengers four, but I think I think it's too soon in the podcast to talk about that. Um. Yeah. Um. So, what do we think of Team Iron Man? I don't know. We'll just call it Team Iron Man. Biggest. <laughs> Well, Strange has a pretty big ego as well. Team Eagle, we'll call it that. And it's not the planet. Okay. I thought it was a good team. Uh, Spider-Man in space. I don't know. It's, uh, it's a bit, it feels a bit soon because, you know, he has, he helps out in Civil War. You know, he's, mm. he, but essentially he's. Absolutely. There. I mean, my main concern going into this film, I was like, Peter Parker is a child. He has no part in in this 
cosmic galactic conflict. You know, he's a high schooler. Leave him alone. Leave him out of this. Um, you know, like keep him safe. And I was I was concerned about you know like the irresponsibility of bringing Spider-Man into this. So I was glad to see that you know even within the film you know Iron Man keeps saying you shouldn't be here. Go home. You know, like he he tries to keep him out, but you know, obviously, once he's on that ship, he's on that ship, and he yeah. stays. It's like um, hundreds of late and and he does prove useful, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like he, of course, you know, he does prove useful at the end, but like ultimately, he is a child, and like I was, he he was the person I was most afraid for, uh, and. You know, whenever what happens happens. Yes, I was I was devastated um, when when Peter dies at the end. It was very emotional. I was sobbing in the cinema. I think the people next to me thought I was crazy. Um, he he is my precious son, and he must be protected at all costs. Those people. That's were that's what I say about Peter. Of this film, thought you were crazy. Uh huh. <laughs> oh yes. Yeah. Yeah. No. Like it was a room full of crazy people, but yeah. I was. Like I, I don't think that I can overstate when I was crying, <laughs> like, uh, and and I didn't think I because I, I didn't really didn't think this would happen. You know, I was like, well, he is a child; they wouldn't kill they wouldn't kill Peter Parker, um, but they went there, and I wasn't prepared. I wasn't ready at all. I'm a huge Spider-Man fan. I always have been. I always will be. And I think the fact that he's kind of in space is. It's a bit. It maybe feels a bit soon for the character, but it's also very in character because he is always someone that's horrendously overwhelmed all the time. You know, every situation he gets into is essentially above his pay grade. In the comics, it's always been like that. He's just a normal kid who's yeah. struggling to be a hero, and situations just keep escalating beyond his control. His his death is a real punch in the gut because, well, everyone else just kind of vanishes, but he's the one who just. You know, I don't feel so good. <laughs> and then apologizing for, I don't know what he's apologizing for, but uh, part. Well, probably for, <laughs> for sneaking dying. on the ship. Yeah. yeah. But he would have died anyway. Um, in fact, they would have exactly. died sooner if it wasn't for him. Uh, mm. But the, yeah, it's really devastating. I wonder if that's to do with his spider sense because he can feel the other people die around him as well. I think so. Yeah, I yeah. like that idea. Um, that's that's just one thought. I mean, they made a point of showing the spider sense earlier in the film, so you know. But isn't he like that? He's like the first. No, he's not. Because no, he's he's the last. He's is he's he the, the last? last. You see, yeah. Mm-hmm. Unless you include the credit scene, yeah. But uh, he's, Man. he's the last one to die. It's brutal. Yeah, it's it's the most brutal. And, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, I think Spider-Man was great in amongst that because you had this whole, th- this dynamic where you had Strange and Stark battling egos and then Parker in the background just trying to be taken seriously, but he just wasn't taken seriously. And it was like, is he your ward? It's like, no, no, God, no. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> it's pretty sad. And he's, uh, he's seen old movies as well. He's seen a lot of old movies. Yeah, well, by old you mean aliens. Oh no! <laughs> Have you seen that really old movie, Aliens? It's pretty cute. It's so cute. And he was chatting with Quill about Footloose. Is it still the greatest movie ever made? Never was. Yeah. <gasps> it was really adorable. That actually breaks one of the rules of fiction, where you should never have two characters with the same name and the same story. 
because it just confuses matters. So you've got <laughs> two Peters in the same scene. I'm yeah. surprised they never actually referenced that. You know, the my name's Peter, so it's mine. Oh, that's confusing. <laughs> <laughs> and you've got two Steves, although they're not in the same scene, so it's it's okay. When Iron Man's well, using his flip I don't know that Stephen spirits. Strange counts count as a Steve. No, no. I suppose not. He's either Doctor or just Strange. <clears throat> uh, what about his flip phone? Um, yeah, like, see, the first time, this is because I'm not a real geek. I Well, more than some people, but not as much as enough to be cool. So when he was using his flip phone, and then he's like, oh, I need to make that call, Stephen Rogers. I was like, who is that guy? <laughs> no. I just <laughs> No I just <laughs> but I like and then he came on screen and then they were like oh I'm so glad like we made that call or something and I was like oh he's Steven Rogers yeah I know I was like really slow but you can help it that, that Stark always carries around this phone just fully charged at all times in case he needs it is that just his special phone for getting in touch with all the people? No, uh, Cap gave it to him at the end of Civil War when the FedEx guy turned up, who was Stanley. Um, it's like, you know, if you need me, call me on this disposable cell phone. Oh, that's cute. Uh, it is, isn't There's it? too many things that <laughs> happens. I can't keep up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's, it's because uh, Steve's old-fashioned gives him a flip phone. That's why... That's so cute. That's adorable. <laughs> and it has one number in it, Stephen Rogers. Oh, it's like giving somebody like your business card, but it's like better than that. It's like this is actually how you can call me. I'm just surprised it wasn't fed into like Tony's armor. You know, he didn't have it like hooked in, so he could just make the call whenever he wanted. But because sometimes it's about the object. Yeah, you know, the one that he drops. that's more that's more poignant. He drops it and Bruce picks it up and ends up making the call. I would have loved to have hear that conversation. Hmm. You know, the, hi Steve, it's Bruce. Been a while. Got a situation here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey man, um, can you go pick the Wanda up? Because I'm pretty sure that they're gonna have trouble. All right, bye. <laughs> 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 it was weird that that Stark assumed that Steve Rogers would be the one to find Vision because Steve not so good at finding anyone really. I think he probably should have said Romanov because she does find people. She did it for a living, mm. you know. That's just nitpick. Yeah, maybe. But I mean, I think I think he called Steve A because I don't think that they all like have swapped phone numbers after Civil War. Like the the flip phone was the only way to contact anyone on Team Cap's side. So it was like we're gonna call this number, and hope that one of one of the people on Team Capside is gonna pick up, and we can coordinate this thing. Um, I don't think that everybody has each other's numbers anymore. <laughs> um, you know what? With half half the the Avengers being fugitives at this point. Yeah, that's true. Um, I don't know. It was just a nitpick. I just thought that maybe like Romanov's the first. They she can find people kind of choice. But you're you're assuming that they would be apart somehow. Yeah. Like I th- I think he was assuming that they'd all be together, 
which is was basically what happened. Yeah. Anyway. Flying around in their stolen jet that they can somehow refuel. Yeah. <laughs> Don't know how they're doing that, but I know. Just infinite fuel, that's what it is. It's a video mm. game jet. But yeah, Team Iron Man. Uh, any thoughts on Team Iron Man? The kind of interactions and uh, when the Guardians show up. Hmm. Or some of the Guardians. Oh. When, the Guardians. When, do the, when do the Guardians hang out with Iron Man? When they get to Titan. When? When, when Nebula calls um, uh, Mantis and says, meet me on Titan, and they go to, they all go to Titan. Oh, yeah, and then they're all like, who are you? You're the bad guys. Yeah. And we're not the bad mm-hmm. guys. You're the bad guys. Okay, yeah. I remember that now. Okay. Yeah. Um, putting them with the, with the Guardians was good fun, I thought. Um, there was... There were some really good bits. I, I like it when Mantis says, uh, take, take ass, kick names, or whatever. Yes, <laughs> kick and, names, take ass, yeah. yes. And, uh, and, and Stark is just speechless. He has no response. Yeah. He just gives them that look that's, uh, he just has no words. That was brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that, that there's a lot, that this is something that I kind of didn't like. You know, every time that Tony Stark meets someone new, it's with such extreme distrust that uh, it 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 like he's expecting them to convince him that they are the good guys. Um, you know, whenever Stephen Strange shows up, you know Stark has like a, a pathological need to prove that he's better, he's smarter, he's on top. You know, like it takes. Stephen Strange to say I'm protecting your your reality douchebag to put like Stark in his place you know just like stop trying to one up me like we're all on the same team my god and so whenever the the uh, guardians show up but it's like no like you're the bad guys and everybody's shooting at everybody and it's like oh, it's... Tony Stark needs to stop he needs to stop stop it just stop well, it, it. Quill that shoots first I mean of course he would yeah because they, they just rush in and start um, attacking because they see people on Titan and assume they must be affiliated with Thanos. But yeah, it does result in a, a temporary alliance you know, after they fight a little bit. Yeah, it's, it's a superhero thing, though. Every time they meet for the first time, they have to fight a bit. It's, just, it's, it's mandatory, apparently. Yeah, I know. It's just that it's been the norm, though, since the first Avengers film. You know, Stark always has to have the, the quippy one-liner and, you know, he has to come out on top of every scene. And I, I felt that, you know, there was a lot of it in this movie. And I wasn't a fan of those scenes, I have to say. Uh, but that's but that's just me, I guess. You know, like, everybody loves, you know, snarky Tony Stark, which is fine, I suppose. It's just, I, I think it's a bit, it's a bit two-dimensional for, for character development, you know? Just, like, can you pause your snarkiness for a second and like try to save the world? Okay, thanks. I don't know. Well, I don't like. I really didn't like Iron Man's suit in this one because it was just silly. Like it was just. Mm. I don't know. I know the idea is that they're pitching Doctor Strange and Iron Man against each other because one of them's a scientist and one of them's a magician, and he's calling him a wizard. Mm. But all of his stuff is like Iron Man can turn his arm into like a laser cannon and his, his feet into rockets. So it's basically the same. It's like they're both, have, yeah. they're both basically magic. So all that stuff where, like, they try to do that, oh, it's the other, like the two different thingy dynamic off. Well, it doesn't work when Iron Man 
has more more powers than Doctor Strange anyway. So it seemed a bit like like the other like mm. it was too like his suit was too overpowered and too silly and there was too much stuff for it. That yeah, he can he can no longer be the justifiable reality guy. Yeah, his suit was very magical. It's like nanotech. It's nanotech is that kind of sci-fi wizardry now. You know, it's yeah. Yeah, you can just explain it away. It's like the microbots in Big Hero Six. Yeah, you know, they can do anything. And there was actually a bit of that that reminded me of that. You know, where Thanos is just beating away bits of Stark suit, and there's very little of it left. It's mm-hmm. essentially the same thing they used to defeat the villain in Big Hero Six by destroying as many of the microbots as possible. I've not seen that. Oh, it's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. I thought maybe, like, they all had to have amazing technology because in Black Panther, they're so technologically advanced and now that they're all friends and he's been introduced, it's like they can't can't be, like, a level behind Black Panther. They all have to be sort of just obscenely technologically wonderful. Well, they haven't shared it all yet. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Well, they have, because they're like, you know, when Captain America's there, they're like, oh, we'll go and get you, like, a shield. Because they're like, they have the wherewithal for getting him more stuff. Um, That we know of, maybe, but I still was like, it's obviously capable of existing. And I think once it's been dreamt up in one universe, even though they're the same universe, you know what I mean? Like, the universe being the movie. I'm like, as soon as they've introduced that, they can't go back to, like, more basic technologies when it does exist um, in Black Panther. They have to just keep on going forward and do more ridiculous things. Well, they, they kind of had a bit of that <laughs> where Shuri was laughing at Banner for, you know, mm. not being smart enough. Why didn't you just try this? It's like, because uh, I didn't think of that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the... No, I'm sure you tried your best, sweetie. <laughs> yeah. Smiley face. Yeah. Shuri, I'm only 16 and I'm the smartest person in this room. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I think, I think yeah, I think there's definitely a treasure trove. Yeah, she is, yeah. I think there's a treasure trove of, you know, Shuri just, like, putting Tony Stark down <laughs> with her brilliance, which we haven't tapped into yet because they don't meet in this film. But, you know, we have... There is potential, I'm sure, uh, yeah. for that. Um, Iron Man suits keep, quote-unquote, evolving throughout the 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 franchise, so... Like you see, you see him start with like hunks of metal. Then you know he has the remote control ones. Then there's you know the, the, the every every film sort of keeps improving on the concept. And nanotech is just the latest, as you say. You know, it's kind of like the 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 magical sciency thing nowadays. Um, you know, everybody loves a good nano na- nano thing. And I, I thought that it was an interesting take on the suit. Definitely, I think, the most practical design that he's come up with because it's versatile and it can transform itself into whatever he wants. Um, and that's what he's needed the whole time, and I'm glad that he's got it now. Uh, it's still obviously not perfect. It's still not, you know, indestructible or impenetrable. You know, obviously, it's vulnerable to damage, and he definitely wasn't ready for the level of damage that he has had to withstand in this film, uh, for sure. Um, but that being said, I thought that it was an interesting kind of improvement on the Iron Man suit. I don't know what the you know where it could go from here. Like I just can't 
possibly imagine. Obviously, Shuri probably has some thoughts. <laughs> she could probably nice. fix that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she can fix that stuff right up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, pretty sure. Um, but yes, I, I, I'll agree with Isaac that it was a bit, you know, a bit gimmicky, a bit, you know, oh, well, I guess, I guess his suit is friggin' perfect, because he can do whatever he wants with it. Yeah. And, yeah, there is, there is a certain point where you go, all right, all right, like, that's ridiculous now, fine, I guess, you know, he, he can just, like, make it rematerialize after it's been punched off of him. I guess that's fine. Um, yeah. Well, the, at least the nanotech was finite, you know, once it got destroyed, then... You know, it got to the point where the suit couldn't reassemble itself anymore, so he doesn't have much left. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, which raises a very interesting question about the end of the film. Like, how the hell? <laughs> how the hell? <laughs> Does he get get off that planet Well, come back to Earth? Actually, quite a simple one, because the Milano's got to be parked nearby. Is it? Yeah, because how else did Star-Lord, etc. get there? Mm, I That's suppose Do- Doctor Strange I think was oh, more yeah. comic book Doctor Strange <laughs> than he was in his own film I really loved all the spells that he saw and you know him like multiplying himself and, and all this stuff I mean that was just the mirror dimension he was using at that point but he just there was so much weirdness going on and I, like, I loved seeing that Doctor Strange was super cool uh, it seems you have a lot of thoughts on Doctor Strange <laughs> <laughs> scribbled notes loudly about. I scribbled notes about Doctor Strange because um, so remember when he's like sat down and I think Iron Man's like what are you doing and he's like going all like weird and blah, 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 and he looks like he's doing some sort of like weird crazy thing in his head and then he's like I'm going through all the possible scenarios yep right so remember that and then he says, all right, what did you see? And he's like, well, there's like 14 million whatever outcomes. And then he says that there's only one possible outcome where they survive. Yeah, where they win, yeah. Um... Yeah, where they win, where they win. That's okay, yeah, where they win. <laughs> Can I hear you guys' thoughts on that? Like, what do you think about that? Like, do you think he's telling the truth or do you think he's telling a lie because if he's lying he's doing it to give humanity hope nah, he uh, he'd, be do- he'd only be giving Tony Stark hope and that's pretty bleak and TVQH. not a lot of information I think he's telling the truth I don't think there's an element of him lying um, I think, if anything, I, I was expecting, you know, whenever Tony Stark asks, you know, like, like how many of those do we win, I honestly thought the answer would be none. So the mm-hmm. fact that there is one, I'm, I, I'm like, I'm feeling pretty good about this. <laughs> um, um, yeah. Cause and I it think also explains, yeah. it explains what he does, because, you know, they've, they've had the whole, like, exchange where he's like, you know, if it comes between you or the kid... Or the stone, I'm gonna protect the stone. But then when it comes to like the stone at the end, he very readily gives it away, which mm-hmm. m- must mm-hmm. mean that the only way for them to win is for yes. Thanos to win yes. first. 
Yes, yes. This yeah. is exactly what I was like thinking because he says yeah, for sure. it was the only way. It was the only way. And I was like, well, yeah. the only way is the one in 14 million. And and yeah. so he's playing he it along. He, he would yeah. die. He must have known this. Well, I wonder though, like I wonder though that it's the only way and that it's all temporary deaths. It's the only way and then they'll all um, magically be brought back like because something's going to uh, be undone. I have I have a very good theory about what this means, and I I am convinced that that that's what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it and if it's not this exact version, then maybe it's something similar. Um, but hear me out. So there are some set photos flying floating around the internet from the fourth Avengers movie, and they are on the set of the first Battle of New York, so the first Avengers movie. And that in itself is very interesting um, mm-hmm. and and a bit of a pointer. Uh, and what I think will happen is, uh, so we still have uh, Ant-Man and Captain Marvel coming up. Both of these films are obviously set pre-Infinity War. Captain Marvel is set in the 90s. Uh, so, you know... All of those things won't necessarily link up to Infinity War directly, but what I think will link up to the second Avengers film, the the second part of Infinity War, is uh, Ant Man's quantum quantum f- is a quantum field or quantum, quantum something or other realm. Yeah. realm. Thank you. Uh, so I think what's going to happen is. They are going to use that to kind of shift into an alternate dimension, go into all the moments where there have been Infinity Stones present, take the Infinity Stones, create their own gauntlet, and reverse what happened in uh, the, the first Infinity War film. That way, we would get basically a visual journey through the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe. We would get a chance to relive some of those great moments, you know, basically fix what went wrong, uh, say goodbye to some characters, because I'm pretty sure that there will be some permanent deaths at the end of, the, of Avengers 4, no doubt about it. Um, but the only way to, like wrap up what at that point will be a 2020 the the 22nd film and ultimately you know an 11 year history would be to to go visibly back through all of the stories and have our heroes like basically solve the problem by going back and fixing their mistakes sort of uh, so how do, I don't know if how do you think sense. they're going to do that? Like, how do you think they'll do that? So are quantum, they going to go back in time? So not back in time necessarily. I think it's going to be an alternate dimension thing. Cause, okay. Because uh, so, quantum theory basically is, is like, it's it's the multiverse theory. It's the fact that, you know, like, several things exist in parallel. And, you know, like, they, they all sort of exist at once. The, the mm-hmm. idea that there's infinite universes where infinite things and possibilities uh, are happening at any given time. Um, you know, there's a universe where, you know, all of us never met. There's a universe where, you know, you know just like whatever, like all of, all of, all of the different possibilities. Um, and so my guess is because uh, Ant-Man has cast Michelle Pfeiffer as the Wasp and she 
is supposedly stuck in the quantum realm, right? So if she can come out of it somehow, or if uh, Ant-Man can find her in that realm, that means that, you know, like, they will actually find a way to connect that quantum realm business from Ant-Man into the, the story at large. I think that's the only sort of thing that would make sense. Because if you have, like, the Ant-Man story not connect with this in any way, it's a bit of a waste. Like, in that way, Ant-Man also gets to feel like part of this story. And I think that'd be cool. Because mm. uh, he's great. You know? Like, he's... I love I love Scott Lang. I love, you know, the, the heist movie aspect of Ant-Man. And so far, you know... Civil War notwithstanding, he's not been super useful, um, and it would be great if he was, and it would be great if, you know, ultimately his sort of shtick got to be the, the crux that will fix all of this. Somehow. It'd be quite incredible if it became, like, if it I was to rely so. on him. Although I was talking to a guy at work, because I've got a new job now, so I can talk to everybody yeah. about... Marvel superhero wonderfulness and um, mm. and I was talking to the scout work and he asked me who Adam Warlock was and I didn't know <laughs> and he said that there's been like hints towards him uh, for a little while now but obviously like the end of this film is that mm. it's going to lead on to Captain Marvel so I'm not too sure where Ant-Man's going to play in this like uh, if he just came in and he was going to be the person who happens to hang about in like this other way of existing and then that means that they can save everything mm. I mean, like is I, that I is it honestly going to come down to Ant-Man apparently there was a draft of this film that had Adam Warlock in it but yeah. then they thought it might have just been one too many things to chuck in well it would have been because I have no idea well. who that is yeah, actually Craig do you want to cause we, yeah who's he so if you tell him then everyone knows well, yeah, because I don't know who he bigger, is. I'll put the bigger detail in the show notes because... No, I want to know. Tell us now. Yeah, because we, we can't talk about it if we have to read it in show notes. Remember, um, <laughs> remember at the end of Guardians 2, one of one no. of the million post-credit scenes that they had, there was like a cocoon, and it was like he's called Adam. We'll call him Adam. That was Adam Warlock. And he's basically a super powerful cosmic being. Uh, he's important in the Infinity Gauntlet storyline. He can wield the gauntlet. He's powerful enough. He's... And he's a very confused sort of guy. Um, I don't... I couldn't see him fitting into this film and I'm glad he was cut because it would have just been like... It would have been that deus ex machina thing. It just chucks someone in at the end who's super powerful. and You know, it would have been like Vision and um, Age of Ultron in a way. Um, but I don't think he's going to be super important. I think if they introduce him, he'll be in a Guardians film. That's yeah, I agree. Name. Okay. I agree. I yeah. think they've said... Is that where I he would normally hang said, out? Uh, well, the Infinity Gauntlet story is a, is, a, is a... It's a Marvel comic universe story, so kind of everybody has a go. And the Guardians of the Time, I believe, were in it. Gamora was there and so on. But, uh, yeah, I think he's he's just one of those infinitely powerful beings that's not that interesting, at least in context of, of this kind of story. Because mm-hmm. he would just be in there to fix it all, and that's not interesting. I was say, like in the in your theorized version, where you have to go back to the reality, not the reality, yeah, the reality stones. What are they called? Infinity stones. Infinity stones. <laughs> so we have to go back to the Infinity Stone storylines, and it's all like, okay, now you have to go back to Thor: The Dark World. And they'll just like look at each other, like, yeah, we'll pick it, we'll pick up somewhere else. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we'll see about that one. Yeah. yeah. 
Thor's like, oh, this was never my life. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, no. They're all sort of passing the phone around. It's a flip phone. It's got one number on it. It's Chris Dragleson. It's like, he wants to do more to phone him up and see if he wants to be back in it. <laughs> yeah, you know, like, I think it would be very interesting to see um, everyone go back through, like, the stories that they lived, but they them being different in some way. Um, like, with the knowledge you know, of what has already passed. Uh, well, no, like, you know, like... Of the themselves that they meet. Exactly, like uh, going back to to a universe where, Earth you know, um, Tony Stark is director of Shield instead of Nick Fury. Like, wouldn't that be interesting? Because that happens in the comics at one point. Ah, post Civil War. Well, that would go over in my head because I literally don't know any of that stuff. Hmm. Well, they would have no, to I mean, it wouldn't. Really it wouldn't be exactly like it yeah. wouldn't be. Um, uh, uh, you know, like a throwaway kind of reference, it would be like, well, in this universe, uh, Tony Stark, you know, has succeeded his dad as uh, director of S.H.I.E.L.D. and, you know, like, whatever, here's here's this version. If they did it as, like, a little, a little five-second thing, and then, it w- and then they were like, but that's not the reality that we're in, because that kind of thing really annoys well, me. Well, yeah. Oh, I see. Well, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how they might do it, but... I think it would be an interesting sort of thing, you know, like the the, the alternate universe version of of yourself, you know, like who who would you be in another life sort of thing. Mm-hmm. It's, this is something they commonly do on the, the DC TV shows I watch, you know, they're always, well, in the Flash, anyway, mm. they're always flitting between Earths and you see different versions of different people and, you know, it's good fun. It is good fun, the kind of road not taken type thing. Uh, that storytelling has mm. been used for, you know... A long time because because people are interested in yeah for sure yeah. and it's I and I think it makes sense for comic book stories because yeah. there's infinite versions of all of these characters already out there yeah, and, and you know like, comic book fans can get a kick out of recognizing stuff and the rest of us normal <laughs> plebs can just be like ooh that's shiny yeah. <laughs> multiverse has been mentioned in Doctor Strange uh, mm. We haven't really gone into too much detail about what all that means yet. And the quantum realm, they haven't explored it at all. He just shows up. He just goes to it at the end of Ant-Man for a minute mm. or two. Um, I, never, I, I hadn't considered the whole quantum realm part of the theory, so that's interesting. I did think that there was going to be... Because I have seen those set photos, so I, I, I did think about the there was some kind of... There was going to be some kind of visitation of previous events, although my mm. money was on more on time travel than anything else. Okay. Mm. Um, who's to say who's right? I don't know. But we'll, find oh, we'll see. We'll find out this time next year. Place but, your butts, folks. <laughs> yeah. But those uh, those set photos have them wearing some kind of armbands or whatever it is. Oh yeah. Yeah, that, that suggests that they need to do something in order to stay there. They could be portable Atman tech. Hmm? Could be. Hmm? Yeah. <laughs> My thinking is, whatever it does happen, this will obviously be reversed. I thought it could be permanent to some degree, until I saw Black Panther disappear because. His film just cleared a billion dollars. Yep. So, then, <laughs> like there is no way they're going to yeah. throw that much money down the drain. Yeah, and then Spider-Man dies, and it's like, well, consider all the effort they had to get him. Yeah. He's not going anywhere either. No, so, exactly. So I was thinking, there'll be a reversal. I think that, but I was thinking about what the cost of that reversal could be. Mm-hmm. And part of me thinks that, since it's been publicly announced that Chris Evans is off after the next one. That's it. Mm. He's calling time on this franchise. Uh, yeah, no more Captain America. I think the reversal will involve him in some way and it will cost him mm-hmm. his life. Yeah, um, I think so. Because it says about 
it takes a special kind of someone to wield all the infinity stones. Yeah. There's only a handful of beings in the universe that could do it. And I think mm-hmm. I think Steve doing it would, would just be the end of him. That's mm-hmm. my thinking. <laughs> um, yeah. Guys, what do you think about the whole broken gauntlet thing at the end? Uh, like, I where don't... do we think Thanos is? He's in the Philippines. <laughs> no, because the, the, there's like several several moons. Um, yeah, but you also see um, you also see those those birds, those flamingos. A flamingo. <laughs> flamingo. Yeah, that's it. Sorry, that was really cute. Yes. <laughs> um. Yeah, because again, I was talking I to this person at work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it looks kind of bashed, and their theory was that they're in, that Thanos has gone into the Soul Stone to be with Gamora, and I don't think that that's true because do you know no, when I he's showing, so. he's showing who's it Iron Man, Doctor Strange, who's who's he showing? He's showing somebody like what his planet used to look like and what his world used to look oh, yeah. like, and he uses yeah. like he changes the reality and it's lovely, and he says oh, yeah. that he just wants to go and watch a sunset on his planet like that's what he would do when like everything well, is sort says, of being restored he says he, he would look at the sunrise uh of, oh, that's a, it. Like, of a grateful universe that's it. so i don't think yeah. he's home i think he's somewhere like that but it looks like it though like do you know when he oh. he uses that vision and he makes the world change that's what it looks like like that's where it looks like he is that's when I was watching it, I was like, whoa, he's made it back to... Like, he's altered the reality to look like the perfect version of I, his planet. I, I don't think so. I think he's just somewhere. I don't think he's back on Titan. I think the Titan's, like, gone. But I don't know. <laughs> but he can do anything, so he could have just brought it back. Or at least no, have the illusion that it's been the... brought back. Oh, okay, yeah. Like, an illusion, maybe... But it didn't. I I don't know. It didn't look that similar to me. So okay. I don't know. Oh maybe mm. okay, maybe it's just me. You have seen it twice. Um, but yeah, because he's doing that. He's sitting down and he's watching the sun. And I was like, he's doing what he said he would do. He's chilling out after destroying yeah, yeah. things. The gauntlet mm-hmm. looks a bit charred, but it also looks operational. I mean, he still uses the space stone to get away, for yeah, instance. Yeah, exactly. I don't so. think it's completely broken. Okay. Yeah. Plus, the gauntlet itself doesn't actually do anything. It just holds them. Well, it does do something. It has to contain all of that power. Yeah. So it is doing something. It's not, like, it's not a device. It, it's not mm-hmm. a device in the sense of he presses a button and it does reality stuff. Yeah, it's, but obviously yeah. if that's broken, he's not going to be able to yield like I mean he's still going to be really powerful because he's got all the stones but is it not that they create like another level of power when they're like fused together in that way using like the, some sort of like conductor or whatever it is that it, I mean otherwise why would he need the gauntlet yeah I think you can use each one you can use them once can't you like as themselves but you need the gauntlet to like merge them so like if you wanted to merge like reality and time then you'd have to use like the gauntlet to do it but you can still use like the time one by itself okay by so this itself. is like so this is like facilitating multiple because that was another thing because when this guy said that he thought thanos was in the soul stone i was like well how can he use all the other things but maybe because of the gauntlet you can 
Well, th- there is a point where he has some kind of Stolestone-inspired vision, because when he's in there, it's all orange, and he talks to the child Gamora. The younger, yeah, the younger Gamora, yeah. Who is it that does that? It, whose film was it where they go and do that? Is it Doctor Strange? Not or the, no, Thor? The, no, the, this is the first appearance of the Soulstone. Uh, no, when he's talking in that sort of empty space. Oh, it's Black and it's, Is it Black? Oh, yeah, because it's like the Lion King or something, is it? Yeah. Yeah, okay, I remember now. So it's Black Panther then that we have seen a very similar thing. You kind of see it in Thor as well. Well, in Ragnarok. Yeah, like, yeah, because when he goes and he speaks to the so I thought it's like that. Um, I've, I've seen it written online that the Soul Stone might be like a storage facility for, well, souls. So that's where everyone is after they disappear. Because it's all hanging out of, together. Um, yeah, it's the idea of uh, in the universe you can't create or destroy anything, you can only transfer mm. it. So everyone who oh. dies has to go somewhere. It's only a theory, mm. but I think the soul stone's going to come into play in a big way in the next one because it is one of those. It's very vague in terms of what it actually does or what it's actually for. Well, I don't really know anything, so I have no idea. So I think he'll be like haunted by Gamora in the next one, maybe. Mm, possible. The point where he got the soul stone, I thought was it was quite a powerful scene. You know, the the whole um, the reveal he does actually care about someone, and it's Gamora. And uh, he has to kill her in order to get the soul stone. That's like the price that he has to pay. I think that's. I thought that was all really good stuff. The oh, it was the, the first skull. scene that had me in tears. I was yeah, not well. Yeah, Gamora's death had me like shook on a deep level that I was not expecting. Um, I think I think hers was the death that I did not see coming at all. So like whenever things started going that way. And, you know, like, it was revealed that the Soul Stone requires, you know, that which you love the most. And I'm like, well, Gamora is there, so that's handy. Um, And then, you know, like, I was surprised that she didn't see that coming. Um, And, yeah, like, that, A, gave Thanos some much deserved, like, depth. You know, like, we, we got to see the villain sacrifice something that was, you know, someone that was very important to him. And that's some some heartbreaking stuff. And then also, like, I don't know, it made me realize that I like Gamora a lot more than I thought I did. You know, like, when Mm. you watch a movie and you're like, she's alright, but actually, I think she's amazing. And, you know, like, I was devastated to see her go like that. You know, like, I was thinking about everything that she has suffered and everything that she managed to get, you know, in her brief time with the Guardians. You know, she found a new family. She found like people who like liked her for who she was people who like weren't murderous bastards you know and finally she could she could be with with you know like a group of friends that valued each other instead of like tortured each other um and for that to be taken away you know i was thinking of of quill and you know like their their fledgling romance like all of that and yeah, like, like, also the fact that the bit of soundtrack that, you know, underlies that scene is probably the best song in the entire score. It was, it was a lot. It was, it was a, it was, it was a bit, a big experience. Um, definitely the, the, the first, the first crack in my heart to that night. Aww. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I kind of like the way they set it up earlier where, um, 
Gamora knew that she would be the kind of she was all that was keeping Thanos from the Soul Stone, so she, it was in order to make him fail, she could die, and that would be it. That would yeah. be, that would be the end of it. He would be able to get it at that point. Cause I didn't get why I didn't get why she attacked him with the dagger containing a stone. I was like, the thing that you should be doing is keeping that as far as you possibly can, not freaking stabbing him with it, because oh, no, you know he's going to survive. That's not like, that's oh, that cool wasn't thing. the stone. Yeah, the Aww, stone was on the... Doesn't he, like, take it? No. The it oh, wasn't in the knife. They it made it look the so knife. they yeah. made it look so colourful and shiny. I was like, whoa, that's got to be a gem. Yeah. Oh well. Mm-mm. Yeah, I know. I thought the same thing. I was like, you know, the way that they placed a lot of importance on that little knife. I was like, ooh, what if that's the soul stone? But yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't that in the end. Oh, of course. Oh, I was thinking it was like a different stone. Not even. Oh yeah, it's the soul stone. Yeah. Yeah, because okay. the soul stone was yellow yeah. at the end. So yeah, yeah. it wasn't that. Um, I'm surprised, yeah, I, by the way, mm. because I thought that you for sure would have seen that death coming. Because I feel like that sort of trick has appeared in several other films. Mm, you know, yeah. That whole yeah, for sure, it's a trope. For... Yeah, it's a trope which I wasn't expecting them to use in this film. And yeah, like I don't know, I just didn't see it coming at all. Hmm. Yeah. No, yeah. At the point I saw it coming was where it was talking about the cost. And then I remembered the previous conversation about if Thanos gets me, you have to kill me. And I was like, oh, right, okay, that's the cause, the thing he cares about, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, the reappearance of the Red Skull, kind of a surprise. Yeah, for sure. An unnecessary surprise because it could have been anything. Hmm. You know, it could have been just any wraith-like being. But doesn't um, he live there? Uh, it's the Red Skull who was in the uh, first Captain America movie. Yeah, but doesn't isn't that like his home? It is now, I suppose. Um, but you know, I suppose it's a it's a nice little bit of fan service. But at the same time, it's like you know, it, there's nothing about it that needs to be the Red Skull. It's yeah, definitely not Hugo Weaving. No, it wasn't. Yeah, because he hated that character, <laughs> which is fair enough. Um, yeah, I. Definitely didn't see the the Red Skull coming back. It was a very interesting reappearance because I was like, you know, like like when you have that <gasps> moment, you know, like oh wow, the last time we saw him, he was like jettisoned into space by the Tesseract. So like that was so interesting that that's where he ended up. Just like you know, a tiny little nod to one of the first films in the universe. Like that was really cool. I thought. Does that mean that everyone that was shot by the weapons that were made by the Tesseract has just been sent somewhere else? Uh, who knows? I mean, what <laughs> it's like what the weapons? Of Nazis somewhere now. You know? <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe. Who knows? I don't think we'll ever get an answer to that question until, <laughs> until it's the year 2040 and they're really out of ideas. And it's like, let's have the planet of Nazis. The, from the... <laughs> well, mate, they're probably I mean, working on it right now. Yeah, and that's a story that I'm pretty sure I've seen in in books somewhere. Like, is, isn't also there? No, isn't there like a third rate? Yeah, exactly. Like, isn't there like a also like a third rate sci fi movie that's like the, the Nazis are on the moon? Yes. Oh yeah, yeah, like that's yeah. Storm or something. But, it's, but it's awesome. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, and there's a Star Trek episode where there's a planet of Nazis and yeah, whatever. But, and I'm sure there's a Marvel comic story where, the, where there's that as well. Uh, yeah, 
It'd be the closest thing you ever get to Hydra Cap, Isaac. Yeah, it's the closest Hydra Cap. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> maybe, maybe one of these alternate universes that Cap's talking about will be the Hydra Cap universe. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, right, maybe. Hey. <laughs> you might get your yeah for the off. for the right wingers in the audience. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Um. It's just a bit about the Infinity Stones in general. I mean, I think the usage usage mm. of them all is fairly consistent throughout. You know, the Power Stone. It, it lets them go to the to the Hulk, pull planets down, blow stuff up. Uh, the Space Stone lets him travel from anywhere he wants to anywhere else he wants. Uh, time stone, it's obvious. The mind stone, we've seen what that can do. Um, but the, the reality stone was a bit weird because it only seemed to affect reality when he was there and not in anything fundamental yeah. as well. You know, like. Yeah, turns, he doesn't change things. It's basically yeah. like an illusion stone, yeah. really. Yeah. So it's kind of rubbish, really. Or maybe not if you're living it, though. You know, like if he's casting that. Um, and that's your existence, and that's your reality, then it doesn't matter if it's an illusion or not, if that's all that you've got. Well, theoretically, you should only need the reality stone, because when he says reality can be whatever I want, you know, can just be the reality that he wants, where it's half the Yeah, but that's not enough, though, for, the, for him. It was the most vague one. The soul stone was even vaguer, I think, but... Um, but I think there's going to be more t- more done with the Soul Stone in the next film, so that's why mm. I think they kept it vague now. But the reality one is just kind of, yeah, it's like holograms or whatever. Did it, it's, it's more visually interesting than those weird mm. tendrils you got in Dark World mm. that didn't um, do anything. Do you guys like think that like Thanos is like the most environmentally friendly person ever? He's a no. radical conservationist. He really is. Like yeah. he's he's mad for saving environments. Mm-hmm. Although he doesn't consider political, social, or economic factors. Yeah, not at all. Like the fact that the the, the post credit scene that we get with you know Fury and uh, Maria Hill in presumably New York or like somewhere, maybe somewhere else. Um, but it's Some you know it happens. Yeah. yeah, like it and it happens right after Thanos has done the thing, and so you know people are starting to disappear, and it's like you know. Yes, the the radical notion that if you have a population of a place, it will eventually thrive because the limited resources will be able to sustain a smaller number of people, sure. Um, but what about the immediate consequences of half the people of any planet like just disappearing? You know, to helicopters and planes and other things that might you know kill other people or destroy the environment or whatever the consequences might be like those he definitely does not take into consideration he doesn't care um about the immediate ramifications of that decision uh, very and very clearly like the, the the effect that um that has like on the on the you know immediate level it's it's really scary but he's and. all about immediate action, you know, like he's recognising, like he tries to sort of share, I think, early on in the film, though, that his planet was destroyed because mm. of overpopulation and that he saw a way that it could be preserved for the greater good. Now, it's funny because in the superhero films, 
the hero is all about going after what is best for the greater good you know and it's weird that this angle of working on like towards that works so negatively for him like I feel I do sympathize for him because he he does that at a cost to himself so for him he's like he's acting like this you know self-sacrificing you know he's like a martyr and and I think you can see he gets really frustrated that people can't see that and that he's not motivated by greed or anything else quite the opposite you know it's just that he recognizes that there's no one else who's capable of making these decisions because he understands that they're hard but I don't know there was something about him (laughs) Gus said to me at the end he was like I knew that you would you would find something (laughs) like good about him and I and I just was like well you can see that his actions you know he, he sacrifices Gamora so you can see that that's him again trying to convince himself and others that what he's doing is not selfish. But all you know? of the best villains don't think they're villains. They think they're... Ah, the Joker. Them. I mean, let's cut to another universe. The Joker knows that he's like a bad guy. Well, the Joker's an agent of chaos mm. by his own admissions, not, not a bad so, guy. So, but do you know what I mean, though? Like, yeah. there's there are bad guys who are there to just be bad guys, but he... Yeah is a really confused character. Not confused written, confused mind-wise, because he has that sort of... He, he's doing, like, what Loki does, where Loki thinks that people need to be, uh, like, commanded for their good. But I definitely could see, like, that he had a point. That's yeah, but it depends on, like, the problem with that, the greater good is... Absolutely, yeah. It depends on what people think is good. Like, some people might think, oh, strength is important, as a, and then, like, mm. and compassion is less important. So it depends on... Yeah. Like, it depends, yeah, it, it's whatever well, Thanos' version of good is compared to, like, yeah. everyone else's version Yeah, of good. but he's talking about yeah, your moral Bible. compass, what's... Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. There are a few issues with this plan, of course. Well, and, yeah, exactly. I mean, other than the fact that he commits, like, genocide on the biggest scale you could imagine. Um, but the, the thing Hitherto is... Hitherto un- unthought of. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, I imagine... Um, I, I mentioned it just recently about the kind of political, social and economic factors. So what you've got is, you know, if you wiped out half the population of Earth right now, right, if, if a good chunk of that half were still, like, the one percenters, nothing would change. You know, you what, are, what do you mean the one presenters? I don't. That's not what he's trying to do. He's just trying to say that that. I mean, it's a good message, I think, for us right now. Like, there are too many people. There are not enough resources. So you either have everyone suffer, or you eliminate yeah. half of that, and and well, then, then you again, give everyone else a better chance. I mean, it's a very like, fascist. It's a very fascist yeah. point of view. Yeah. I mean, Thanos could <laughs> you know, choose like, the the glove to double resources, if that's a problem. Ah, but then you have the whole, you can't create or destroy energy in the universe. Yeah, but I mean, it's like, his thinking is, oh, we've got to get rid of certain things to... Like, he's sort of using a crane to crush a fly thing. He's not actually thinking... He's not putting any thought into it. It's like, oh, this is the simplest and easiest solution. It's just hmm. to get rid of half the people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's he's not, basic. Uh, One of the... I mean, a big issue we have in our planet is, you know, greed. You know, there's a lot of rich people that are keeping a lot for themselves and not sharing it around 
you know, people that aren't quite so rich. And, you know, that's why you have poverty, third world poverty, all that stuff. Um, if you, it, like I said, if, if there was half the world disappeared and half of them were still those people that are keeping resources from people that need it, you would still have those problems. doesn't matter if you've got a reduced population. You know, the, if people are still hoarding resources, then... Yeah, but he's happen. not just talking about the people who live there. He's talking about the planet as yeah. an entity as well. So his planet becomes nothing. His planet is destroyed. He's yeah. like, he recognises that he, it's not just about the people, it's about living in balance. And he's just trying to find balance for those. Because it's not just about the people it's you know it's every like we. I mean it is the people it is ultimately it is just about the people because he does he does say at some point where somebody says uh you know he's gonna wipe out half the life okay so he says at some point somebody says that um snapping the fingers will wipe out half half of the life in the universe Mm -hmm. so does that mean animals does that mean you know, like wildlife, does that mean, you know, where, where is the line? Ultimately, I think, use technology that mines the resources to an unsustainable level. So, so really, it's all humanoid life, um, I think, because otherwise, like, if it's all life, then it's half of the plants, then it's half of, you know, like, where's, where is your line? Mm-hmm. Um, I get the impression so I think it's the, the humanoid... Okay, there we go. So everything with a soul, fine. But we don't um, know what's so, got so soul and what's well, not. Yeah, and that's a little bit exactly yeah. like that's a little bit vague. Yeah. That that's a little bit vague, but you know, let's say all humanoid life the problem that Thanos is positing, really it is about the people, like using up the resources. That's what he's saying. Understand like on an intellectual level the point he's trying to make, but it's it's for lack of a better word and, you know, excuse the language, but it's fasc- fascist bullshit. Um, and, like, you know, I can't, I can't, for the life of me, empathize with this. Um, but I'm and- not a fascist, and I think many people will get, like, that hmm. they're, what his, like, point is, even though he's not doing it the right way. It's there, not an old. It's, it's not a new notion. It's not a new idea. This has been said many times by you know, Nazis and stuff. Real people who really killed millions of people. It's not. It's not a new idea. It's not a comic booky concept. It's. It's been you know something that philosophers have said, and you know while we are you know from the comfort of our privileged lives looking at it from a comic booky perspective, like I can't. I can't like look at this and kind of go, oh, well, yeah, he has a point. Because if he has a point, then, you know, what you're really saying is that half the population on this planet deserves to die or should die so that the rest of us can live. Like, well, what an no, idea. Not what a concept. That, we're not in that yet, but I definitely think, though, that he he was right. He was right. His planet died. Everyone, everyone on his planet suffered. They could have colonized. They could have left. Like... And then you then, the, but then the, you would choose the people who are the richest and the smartest, and then it becomes like elitist. Whereas I guess he's viewing it as a way of everyone has a fair shot. I guess you don't have to agree with him. You just have to acknowledge that he believes in what he's saying. Yeah, and, and that and that, that, that he's oh, not coming from like, a super I, I acknowledge place. this. Yes, 
But he's not coming from yeah. a super like, I acknowledge this, and I see cute. where it's coming from. Sure, I I really don't. <laughs> so, to, you know, like, while... a point, but his plan is very extreme. Mm-hmm. Very, He's very, an extremist, quite. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah, and that's what makes him interesting, though, the fact that he has this single-minded desire to cross the universe to amass these MacGuffins in order to do this. And mm-hmm. he's taken it upon himself to shoulder the moral responsibility. You know, the, the um, he's burdened with glorious, not really, that's not him. Yeah. Yeah. glorious purpose. Yeah. But that's that's the thing. Like he is, he has accepted the moral consequences of that action. He's decided that he's going to be the one that shoulders the, yeah. the blood on his hands, all of that blood. You know, that's half a universe worth of blood. And hmm. you know, and and the thing is, like. Obviously, he readily kills people throughout, but there's points where he just doesn't bother. You know, uh, at the end when the surviving Avengers come at him, he throws them out of the way. He doesn't kill them. He could, without mm-hmm. question, but it's clear that he's just, he's not really interested in killing people as such. Because it's no. not his decision to make, you know, he's no. leaving it to, like, this greater force. It's almost like the stones are, like, God or something. Well, he seems to only kill to prove a point. So he proves a point to locate by killing him. Um, well, he's definitely got a god complex, hasn't he? He's a, yeah. He does. He's sort of mm-hmm. pretending he's like, oh, it's not. It's all chance. It's all fate. But it's not because he's got a great big super glove and he's he's purposely <laughs> wiping out half the people. It's not exactly leaving it to chance. Mm, it's going okay. well. If mm. God isn't going to do it, I might as well become God myself. Sort of. Yeah. Thing. He doesn't choose which people to wipe out, though. I know, but he still he still does it. He still. He yeah. still clicks his... He still did it. Like, it's yeah. not like a... He's still gone, I, I'm going to gain the power of a god to do what I think god should do. Did you guys Which essentially is trying god? to make himself a god. I was expecting a moment of hesitation, actually, when um, you know when he was about to do it, but he doesn't. He just goes for it right away. And <clears> that surprised me. He had a hammer in his chest. Yeah. Other than having a big axe in his chest. Yeah, that was somewhat just... Yeah. Yeah, he's a, he's an interesting character, and I'm glad we get another go at him as well. Like, I'm glad he's not killed off and will appear in the next one, presumably. Mm-hmm. And Josh Brolin absolutely killed it. I think he was excellent. As oh, I love Josh Brolin. was incredible. And we'll get to see him in Deadpool in a week or two. Oh, my God, I'm so excited for that. <laughs> I, like, laughed in Infinity War, being like, right, is Deadpool out yet? Is Deadpool out yet? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good old Josh Brolin. Mm-hmm. He's just gonna be in all the comics. I found oh it God. really interesting. Yeah. Sorry, wasn't there like a there was like totally a Goonies reference in the film though, right? There was a lot of references mm-hmm. to other stuff. But there was like totally a Goonies one like towards him, and I can't remember what it was. And I do want to go and see it again, so I'll try and find it. But like, there was definitely a point when I was like, "Ha wait, that's because he's in the Goonies." And I was like, I don't know, I find it really funny, but I can't Someone remember what it is. Someone called him Grimace. That's not a Goonies reference. No, yeah. no, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I was like, somebody, somebody says something, and it made me think of the Goonies. And then I was like, haha, he was in the Goonies. Mm. And then I was like, oh, that was obviously on purpose, but I don't remember what it was. Oh. Which one is he in the Goonies? He's like the older brother. It's Thanos. It's Thanos. It's a weird film. <laughs> oh, is he the guy in like the bit where they're like, yeah, it's this, and they're driving the car and stuff, and he goes faster and whatever. Yeah, he's on the little bike. He's on like the kids' bike that he's like nicked. He's the one that's like totally fancies Andy, hooks up with her. 
Yeah, that's not a while. Love the Guineas. <laughs> so with um, so that's kind of Thanos and his plan and the moral and ethical implications of it. Uh, a pairing we haven't really talked about is Scarlet Witch, aka Wanda, and Vision. Uh, mm. The relationship has progressed somewhat. I, th- I thought it was nicely endearing, and um, Paul Bettany did a really good job of making Vision more human. You know, he was stuttering and, and all nervous around her. I thought that was a nice touch, considering the last time we saw him, he was more machine-like than he is now. I no, can't just... even remember him mm-hmm. from, like, yeah. anything else. My work oh. is in that scene, which is, which is totally distracting. I was like, oh, I work there, and then I missed everything that he said. Oh, I didn't, I have to be honest, we are in Edinburgh, which was the location for those scenes, and I thought Edinburgh looked beautiful, and I remember hearing got explosions. the geography right as well. Yeah, it was you know, so, the, yeah, yeah, it was, and I thought it was done really, really well, and I was wondering when we were going to talk about that, but the Edinburgh scenes I really enjoyed, but I think a lot of it is because we don't often get an opportunity to see Edinburgh like pictured this way yeah. and it was great I really enjoyed it it was a nice moment it was a uh, yeah it was cool seeing uh, Waverley Station you know with mm-hmm. the railings and everything they were leaning against those railings I was like oh man that's, I've, I've yeah. been there I've seen that yeah Captain America hasn't shown up I thought it was nicely done and you know you, mm-hmm. you don't see the in between parts so you kind of see the well you see the kind of beginnings of it in Civil War and now they're They've been running around for two years trying to steal little moments together. I thought it was nice. Yeah, it was great. I think it definitely humanized Vision um, in a way that the the Age of Ultron didn't really get a chance to do. Uh, but I suppose he's you know he's had time to grow. Age of Ultron and um, Civil War, of course. Um, yeah, it was really nice. You know, it gave us something to care about. You know, we didn't want them. To, to suffer, we didn't want her to have to kill him and take the stone. We didn't, you know, like it, it was. It was a very nice touch. Um, definitely gave Wanda something to work with as well, um, which, which was really good. Because since Civil War, you know, obviously she had the whole like guilt trip and stuff like that. And you know, it was nice to see her like more in tune with her powers as well. I felt that she was re- a lot more comfortable with herself and what she could do, um, especially in the Wakanda battle, you know, she got a chance to, like, really show uh, what she can do, you know, she was very powerful, all, you know, all the other ladies were like, you know, Koya was like, why was she upstairs, you know, like, why wasn't she here the whole time, Um, which was really great, because, you know, the the Wanda of Civil War was, you know, a, a trembling, you know, afraid girl. And here she is, you know, a fearless woman, just like descending on the battlefield and taking names and kicking ass. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Scarlet Witch has been one of my favourite characters in the comic books for Mm. quite a long time. You know, I've always been really interested in her because she's very complicated. But in this film, I mean, she's maybe not so complicated in this film. She has a very kind of specific purpose, but what they do with her is really good. She's really badass. Like, she conducts herself so well in the fight sequences. And the moment where she kills Vision uh, for, again, this greater good, I thought was, like, really moving. You know, I, f- I felt the weight of that loss when, when she did that. Mm-hmm. And then the kind of punch to the gut when Thanos just, like, well, I'm just going to rewind this uh, and make your, you know, make you coming to terms with this sacrifice meaningless. To You know, it wasn't, it wasn't meaningless in the context of the film, but it was meaningless in terms of it didn't accomplish anything. And it was, like, that 
that made it even more brutal, the fact that she did all that for nothing. Hmm, yeah. Absolutely. But feeling that powerlessness that was, was great. Yeah! Poor yeah. <laughs> guy. Although um, I think Shuri might have his brain backed up on a floppy disk or something. On <laughs> a floppy disk! <laughs> a vibranium floppy disk. Because <laughs> everything's made of vibranium. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but that was that was a really devastating moment, and uh, obviously they'd seeded it early on with you know you'll have to do this. Uh, if worse comes to worse, you'll have to do this because your power comes from the Mind Stone, so therefore only you can destroy the Mind Stone. Fine, it's all good. Mm. Uh, so yeah, it was an interesting relationship, and Vision was pretty nerfed in this film as well. It kind of showed how powerful Thanos's minions were because they mm. could so easily damage him. Because, you know, he's made of vibranium, therefore invincible. What did we think of the, the battle sequences in general? I think the Wakandan battle was most incoherent. Like, it was hard yes. to make out what was there going was on. There was a lot going on, yes. Yeah. And it's, like, anything that reminds me of the Phantom Menace mm. is a bit of a problem. You know, it was a grassy field <laughs> with a big blue dome. It's Phantom Menace. <laughs> it felt like they just kept on bringing in more and more and more and more things and yeah, more stuff yeah just and I have to stuff. yeah it kind of it just went on a bit too much and you're just kind of like well like you know it just was a bit meh you know everything mm. going on and even though that's like the one scene where they are trying to have so much action going on so that you're entertained I actually just found it so much that I was like, oh, like, and also because we've just become familiar with Wakanda, I was like, oh, Wakanda's getting destroyed. Like, they're never going to let people in again. Like, you know, it was just, yeah, it was a bit of a shame that that scene sort of played out like that. But it did give characters opportunities for incredible scenes. Like, uh, the girls teaming up, like, that just happened to team up and fight together was, like, such a great moment. I mean, you talked about it earlier about seeing a whole film. Yeah. You know, that would be like a team like that. I think that that would be really, really good. But, like, instead of, like, segregating it into its own film, it's good to see it happen in, like, in these films. You notice that Thor's entrance during that sequence is exactly the same entrance as in The Dark World. He comes through the Bifrost, chucks his hammer, and then appears. Well, it's Thor. Mm. That's what he does. Yeah, but it was the exact same entrance. Like, Was it his it? hammer or was it his axe? With a hammer well, it's axe. an axe now. Yeah, the hammer axe. <laughs> the thing that he has with Groot's hand as the handle. <laughs> yes, <laughs> teenage Groot being useful. It was the only thing he did in the film other than play video games. Well, it's because he's a teenager now, so, <laughs> you know, what do you expect? And he has, yeah, and he's apparently has, has a really foul mouth. It was really cute. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but no, the, the Wakandan battle was... and It was good. I mean, don't get me wrong, I didn't hate it, but um, it was slightly incoherent. I think my favourite action sequence was the New York one. I think all the little bits to that were really fun. You know, where Spider-Man mm. turns up and stops the axe from hitting uh, Iron Man and yeah, um, all the spells flying around and Hulk, <laughs> Hulk having performance anxiety. Or... Oh, that is so cute. His little battle that he has going on with himself. Everyone else yeah. is battling the world and he's like himself. That's so Hulk. Yeah, I, I liked that, you know, finally it was the Hulk, like, you know, he found his match. Yeah. And, you know, even even the Hulk is traumatized now, which, you know, 
is something. It's really something. Hiding um, the banner is probably not the most effective way to hide, though. Like, hmm. kind of fragile. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Poor guy. Um, yeah, I really liked, you know, how Spider-Man entered the whole thing. You know, with the spidey senses and, and yeah. that. Like, that was really cool. Um, and, you know, like, where'd you come from? On a field trip to MoMA. <laughs> just, <laughs> just like, that was that was great. I really liked that. Did you not um, say the future as well? Like, like I said, he's he's my precious son. Um, but, yes, I think the, the action sequences were really fun. I agree that the, the Wakanda scene was just really confusing. At one point, I was like, who's punching who now? Like, what's <laughs> happening? Like, the CG... everyone? <laughs> yeah, like, the CGI was really well done, but also everything was moving so fast that there were a lot of moments where I was, you know, just, like, trying to keep up and failing. Um, and even with a second, uh, you know, with a repeat watch, like, I'm still the same, like, well, I'm just gonna, you know, sit back, relax, and kind of enjoy this action scene. It doesn't matter if I can follow every single shot. Um, right. I, I get the gist of what happens. But yeah, I agree that it was a little, some bits were a little bit too fast. I still um, just don't understand why they continue in, like, to even bother putting in fighting sequences, which is, like, showing... Captain mm. America fighting four of those like dog things at a time. I'm like, come on! Like we know that the bigger picture here mm-hmm. means that you need to be fighting more than that. You need to have a bigger like machine or power. You need to be yeah, like bigger. just you with your hands is not point. enough. Yeah, yeah. Like, so it's like you, what you can do. <laughs> yeah, but you would think right. We need to remove ourselves because there's no point in me being here and trying to kill four at a time when there are so many. And they just dragged, just think they dragged in that, like, so long. Yeah. Like, that individual fighting thing, when it's like, well, that's not what the combat is anymore. Like, it's not mm. what it is. Like, it's, it's, it's the spells, it's powers, it's, you know, it's, it's more. I don't know why they took so long to get to yeah. that, and it's not entertaining. Well, well they were trying, they were trying to buy time for Vision, for Shuri and Vision. That was yeah. it. I think, you know... The, 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 that was really the core of that scene was like let's see how long we can keep them busy but Although, it's not keeping yeah, them busy when it's like it's like having when it's overwhelming for sure yeah and killing four of them yeah it doesn't do anything no exactly he has the two funniest scene the uh, two funniest lines in that sequence though you know when uh, him and Thor compare personal grooming uh, and yes <laughs> I am Groot. I am Steve Rogers. <laughs> Fantastic. I mean, he's never met a Groot before. He doesn't know that they do this. <laughs> and it was, uh, and, and I like that his hair gets all messed up during the sequence as well. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's the first time Cap kind of fights rough, I suppose. Yeah. You know, usually it's not hair out of place, but this time, hair's out of place. Also, it's the first time he's had hair that long, which yeah. I have to say, like on a side note. Uh, completely derailing the action sequence conversation, but I love the look of Chris Evans in this movie. He looks the best. It's like, this Chris Evans is the one that we have needed this whole time. Who knew? Who knew we needed Chris Evans with longer hair and a beard? But we did, and we got it, and I am very appreciative of this. I just, yeah, it was a good look. It was a very good look. I I miss my clean-cut cap, it has to be said. Yeah. <laughs> very, yeah, I'm very traditional captain. Oh, oh, I thought, I thought he looked great. I was going to say. Mm. 
We'll get them in the next film. <laughs> oh, for sure. I mean, we'll, I'm, I'm sure we'll get we'll get plenty we'll get plenty of good stuff in the next film too. Blonde Black Widow is a bit strange. Oh like... yes, and like the bleached eyebrows. It was like, ah, yeah. oh, friend, don't bleach your eyebrows. Come on. Although I think that, is that not Scarlett Johansson's natural hair color? No, no, I don't. I don't think so. It was pretty bleached. Pretty I don't, sure. I don't know what her natural hair color. No, it's not red though. No, it's not. But. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know how I feel about Black Widow, like, just changing hair colors in every movie. Um, my favorite my favorite hair of hers was in the first Avengers movie. It just hasn't been the same since. Um, yeah, it's it's fine. I mean, it is what it is. I suppose it's one of those, like, uh, exile looks where, like, you, you make yourself look as different as possible so that you don't show up on yeah. face recognition cam. Um, fair enough, you know, like, she probably needed to protect herself. But, yeah. Um, not not a great look for her, I don't think, in this one. Yeah, if Cap wants to stay in hiding, maybe he should not be wearing his old costume. Oh, no, it was a new costume, I think. I haven't seen this one before. It was just a wrecked version of his old costume. <laughs> it's just wrecked, that's all. Like, all it's the colours bit... faded and stuff. Well, no, well, it's darker, and the star yeah. is uh, higher up on his chest, and it's black. So it looks very different, I think, from all the other outfits. I, I think, think it's, it's a new outfit. torn out the... You know the color, basically. Mm, not pretty sure if we compare this outfit to the others, like you know, side by side. I'm pretty sure this is just a new outfit, but I could be wrong. I don't know. The stuff on Titan was pretty cool. I thought that was like strategically quite quite fun, and there was a lot of Doctor Strange spells. That was all. That's always fun. Uh, Spider Man coming out of you know doing portal play. That was that was decent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, shouting shouting various versions of the word magic. Yeah. <laughs> curb stomped by Thanos. Um, yeah, it was interesting seeing like the Guardians and you know, the Earth based Avengers working together. That was really yeah. cool. And all the stuff about plans very funny. Yes. The 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 fifty percent of me that's stupid, that's a hundred percent you. That was Yeah. Such a good one. <laughs> it was a great line, yeah. Yeah. But I also like that um that Quill's immaturity ends up costing them the you know the fight essentially because mm. they were at the yeah. point where they were winning you know you see that the the gauntlet comes off it actually comes off yeah I mean, mm -hmm. it's, it's all his fault they almost had it yeah. almost had it and i thought the sequence was really tense you know where they were holding thanos and they were tugging out the gauntlet and it was, oh it was for like, sure yeah and then quill shows up and i was like ah oh, this is going to be it this is it he's going to ruin mm -hmm. everything yeah and he did yeah, yeah. <laughs> pretty sad yeah Isaac, you haven't said anything in a while. What was your favourite kind of action stuff? Uh, yeah, I did like the yeah the uh, Black Widow. Uh, was it Black Widow? Okay, yeah, yeah, the thing with Jig team up fight. That was one of the funniest things. I really mm -hmm. liked Doctor Strange's crazy magic where he was turning things to butterflies and having a million arms. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like that bubbles. And using the crimson yeah, the bands bubble of cigarette. stuff. That's what. Yeah, and the crimson bands. Uh, but I don't think like I don't know but again there's only maybe a couple of all over the Marvel Universe fight scenes that really stick out like there's a full Ragnarok bridge thing like, the, the, the mm. stuff on the bridge is like amazing and stuff yeah that's really cool mm -hmm. I've, apparently I've not seen, seen, not seen Black Panther but I've, there's probably loads of good ones in that there's probably a load of cool fight scenes in that but yeah like most Marvel movies like the fight scenes are just sort of fight scenes <laughs> Shazam, these characters doing the thing. Mm -hmm. On the subject of Black Panther, where were the war rhinos during the, the Wakandan scene? Oh, 
a good question. Uh-huh. They would have come in super handy. Yeah. Hibernating or something. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't do know. Do rhinos hibernate? Well, these ones might do. <laughs> maybe maybe they took one look at the, the what was going on. They were like, yeah, I'm not fighting in that. <laughs> that's, that's suicide. No, no. Of course, it would have just been one more thing that was happening. So it might, maybe it's for the mm. best. Yeah. Maybe I think that was it, really. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So there, there's a lot of action. I think it's all competent, and my personal favourite was the New York stuff. Mm. Uh, I guess that. I guess I associate that more with Avengers as well. You know, like those kinds of sequences. Mm. You know, where you just have different people doing different things, different abilities flying around. Um, even though it's it's quite a small sequence, but it, it kind of gives you a lot. It gives you a lot to work with. Wong's there. I always like Wong. <laughs> yeah, and he can do magic. Yeah. He would have been useful, you know, to take around everywhere else, I guess. Yeah. Well, he's got to protect, like, the base or whatever. Yeah. Star base. Strange base. I wonder if he's alive, you guys. Yeah. I actually, I wondered this about Shuri. I worry well, about Shuri. Like, because we don't see her at the end, so... I don't know if she's alive. We don't know what's going on. I think the rule I'm assuming is this is the same as the Valkyrie rule, which is if you didn't see him die, they're probably be. alive. Yeah. <laughs> they're probably alive. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good rule. Yeah. And even if they did die, that's not. That's not all yeah, reality. Everyone, everyone, you know, everyone there's other realities. Yeah, and one thing to bear in mind is that the um, the survivors at the end are all the original Avengers. Exactly. Yes. Uh huh. I think there's there's a a poetry to that. Yeah. Um. There's a poetry to the original Avengers being the ones who have to do whatever it is that saves the world. The next Um, one's passing the torch, isn't it? That's what it is. uh, Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Because the new generation are all you know, quote unquote, dead. Um. And it's up to you know. Cap and Hulk and Thor and Iron Man and all these people to like fix it. Yeah, I, I love that. I also loved Cap's reaction to like when the the weight of loss, you know, mm-hmm. the, uh, sunk in on him, and he just says, "Oh God!" Yeah, it's like he can't imagine defeat when he's still alive. That's, yeah, you know, it's that kind of horror for him. You know, if yeah, he's, if they're gonna lose, he's gonna he's not walking out of there alive. And mm-hmm. the fact that he is alive, it's it's just. You know, overwhelming for him. Yeah. But yeah, it's going to be a passing of the torts in the next film, isn't it? You know, it's, for sure. Yeah. Our contracts are up. It's up to you guys now. You have the franchise. You know, we're going to go off and die or whatever it is we do, and that's it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I presume that Hawkeye is still alive, and his, I'm guessing his family are probably dead, and that's what brings him out of, um, brings him out of whatever he's doing. Yeah. Yeah. And Ant-Man, of course, as per my theory. Yeah, I think the post-credit scene for Ant-Man will be him watching like his daughter dissolve. Oh no! Why you gotta go break my heart? It's too early. <laughs> Stop it, Greg! No. It's no. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> it's, funny how, it's funny how Fury calls Captain Marvel, but does he know that she's alive? I mean, that's a good question, yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, at that point, I don't know that he knows what's happening. 
I was I was actually still like second guessing the film at that point as well. When you see Maria Hill dissolve, I was like, fine. And then yeah. when Nick Fury dissolves, I'm like, no way, he's like invincible. There's no way you can get Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> mm. That's what, like do we, what do we think of his last line? Well, he he doesn't get to say his usual thing. <laughs> he gets. I, I wonder if the first thing he says when he comes back will be the other half of that. <laughs> that would be hilarious. <laughs> Everyone just comes back doing whatever they were doing as they like disappeared. <laughs> just like a little like. Or they'll be like naked, like the start of Terminator. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> mm. Yeah, but I do love that scene where everyone dissolves. It's very haunting, like the way there's no music and you hear the wind and on Titan you hear the thunder and mm-hmm. yeah, just a very haunting sequence. Yeah, it is devastating though. And the thing is, like, I know a lot of people have complained about it because you kill half the, you know, you kill all these characters off, but you know they're coming back because there's sequels in development and. I know, but I'm yeah. I, I'm hesitant to be that cynical. Like, you know, I still, I choose to feel my feelings, you know? Like, yeah. I choose to feel devastated and sad. Like, because if, if we, if we take this at, at that, like, cynical of a, of a out view, then it's like, well, why, why get involved in this at all emotionally? Like, why care about any of these people, you know? Like, none of this matters. And I don't, I don't like that. It's the same as if you look at a TV series that you know has been renewed for another season and they're yeah. putting the characters in jeopardy. Exactly. It's like, you know that they're not going to die, but, but you don't know. diminish it. Well, they might die, but it might be, you know, other people that are coming back. It could be exactly. that they change yeah. it up a bit. But, you know, if it's a TV show like Anything's called, possible. It's like a new... Yeah. But if it's a TV show called Supergirl and they're putting her life in danger every week, then there's a good chance that she's probably going to survive the season. It doesn't diminish yeah. the, the jeopardy, you know. Like, and the thing is, what's the alternative? You just don't have this sequence. You just don't do it, and then they all feel disposable. And then what? Yeah. Dance, you know, like. Exactly. Like if you don't, like with no stakes, then what's the point? Yeah. Of any of this. And the thing is, there'll be a large chunk of the audience that won't know about Spider-Man: Homecoming two being in pre-production, and, mm. and you know there'll be those kind of. And I don't know any of these things. Yeah, well, let's not forget yeah, kids as well. Neither do I, and I don't really, yeah. Yeah. But the thing is, it doesn't. it's still effective. And for mm. me, it becomes a question of how do you resolve this, rather than yeah. will they resolve this. And that's fine. That's enough for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's a good question. And it still shocked me, because I was sitting there wondering, I was sitting there trying to guess who would die and who wouldn't. Mm. And I was wrong pretty much every time. So I said, like, ah, Black Panther will be okay. Oh, he's gone. <laughs> and then yeah, Star- that moment where you think it might be Okoye who's gonna die because she's the one in focus, but then T'Challa yeah. goes away. Like, yeah, uh. yeah. yeah. That was that was like, a lot. That was a moment. And the, it's like, oh, that's Quill gone. Uh, P- Peter Parker mm. be Qu- Oh no, he's having. Oh a no, <laughs> that's uh, that's that's horrible, right? Uh, and when Groot goes and Rocket being left interested me actually because mm-hmm. yeah. And it calls back to that earlier bit in the film where Thor's like, I've got nothing left to lose. I'm just going yeah. for this. And he's like, well, I've got a lot. I've got plenty to lose, yeah. actually. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. It's, it's like the, you know, the, the family that he's built himself and, mm-hmm. and all that stuff. But yeah, I, I think... Um, I mean, I yeah, at the end of the day, all of the, all of the Guardians are gone minus Groot. Yeah. So there's that. 
<laughs> like that's terrible. A nebula, technically. Uh, well, I, I don't know that I would count her, but that's just me. I think she kind of counts. I mean, she was mm. essentially on the team in the second one. Mm. Yeah, she counts enough. I think. I mean, she mm, is okay. there. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, she is there. <laughs> Yeah, uh, look for Guardian of the Galaxy, Volume 3. The one Guardian, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Starring Rocket, just cutting about the universe. Being <laughs> and in terms of this as a universe as well, because this film doesn't exist in isolation, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has been referencing the events of Infinity War, so I'm wondering if the season finale will have people winking out of existence. Oh. It's possible. Luke Cage is coming on, what, next month? Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, what's going to happen there? Mm. Probably nothing. It'll probably be kind of... Yeah, we're not part of this universe, or we kind of are. We are when it suits us, that kind of... <laughs> so I don't think half the cast of Luke Cage will vanish halfway through the season or... or uh, that would be really cool. I mean, that's generally my issue with the TV stuff, is that, you know, the, they largely do not um, connect to the film stuff in, in the way that we would want them to. Yeah. And... Yeah, like that's it's a bit of a cop out. It's lazy in my opinion. I don't like it. Um I was signing on for, you know, an actually interconnected universe. It's very it, it was very upsetting when, you know, um and I think we've talked about this before like whenever um I think uh, Age of Ultron like did not acknowledge events that were happening in Agents of Shield. Things like that. Just, yeah, yeah a bit of a cop out. It is a bit. Uh, Cloak and Dagger's on next month as well. That's, that's another one that probably won't acknowledge any of this. Uh, what Agents is this? Of Sh- uh, Cloak and Dagger, it's two characters. Um, one can manifest oh. light daggers and the other one can... Uh, you can essentially teleport. Uh-huh. It's pretty, they're pretty cool. Uh, hmm. Yeah, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., as I said, is, re- is referencing the events, so I think they'll have to do something. Maybe it will just be that the whole mm. cast survives. That was lucky. You know? <laughs> be a couple of background characters that just wink out of existence that you don't really care about. It's like, oh, what happened there? Don't know. Mm. Like, well, let's just move on. I don't know, but the, it's interesting that they're keeping the, the implications of this kind of contained because mm. the next two films are prequels to this. That's true, yeah. Yeah, and the TV stuff will probably not acknowledge it and they can probably get away with being like yeah this was set like a few months ago or something I don't know a few months before this stuff mm. they can get away with it but um, which brings me to kind of another issue that people have raised or parts of the audience have raised about how this film doesn't introduce anyone I suppose other than Thanos yeah but and that's true although I don't think it's I, th- I don't think it's supposed to I think it's framed as a it's almost like a season finale, isn't it? Exactly. That's what yeah. it feels like. Yeah, and I don't. I, I don't think that it would have been a good movie if it's wasted time, kind of telling us who these people are, because we've seen, you know, or we're supposed to have seen um, all of these movies, or at least most of these movies, and you know, like yeah. telling us who these people are at this point. Yeah, but I, I I'm interested to hear. Well, Isaac thinks of this because he hasn't seen the majority of the Marvel movies. Yeah, I've done well. Yeah, I mean that's the problem with like I I wouldn't recommend it to anyone who hasn't been watching the other ones. Like it's yeah. not a, it's not a film mm-hmm. that exists 
like it's not really a standalone film. It yeah, there's like homework for it, kind of, which is like it's not a bad thing because yeah, like I said, it's you know, it's it's it's, still, it's two and a half hours as it is. So if you had to say, oh yeah, by the way, these guys aren't mates, and oh yeah, Thor's been off. Like yeah, it would drag it yeah. longer. So yeah, so it's, mm-hmm. but it's, yeah, it's just, I think of it's yes, yeah, like I say, it's a finale of a film. Like you need to have yes, like you can't um, keep reintroducing everybody, but but also yeah, it's not for you want you want to start everyone off on this one. I mean that's mm-hmm. like when we were talking about the first Avengers, and I was saying I didn't really like I didn't like that one because I was. I was new to it and I had no idea really I wasn't invested in any of the characters but I think it's that same sort of like the Avengers movies are I'm not sure about well I'm not sure about Ultron but they're the ones that you have to sort of you have to kind of have sequels to everything mm, yeah. yeah there's actually a good article on it I think it's Den of Geek I'll find it for the show notes it's uh, from the perspective of someone who's never seen a Marvel movie before and they reviewed this film on uh-huh. that basis, and they liked it, and they go into the why they liked it, and and now they're at the point where they can just go and revisit all the previous films to get to know these characters that they've just met in this film. Interesting. And they, yeah, it's an interesting perspective. I can never see that perspective because I've been in this since day one. I've read comics, and you know I know who all these people are, so I'm I'm ready to just go with it. And the film assumes you are that person. You know, you're the person that's seen all the films, or as you say, a good chunk of them. And is just willing to accept that this is Spider-Man. This is what he does. You know, here's Iron yeah. Man. He's got a magical suit of armor, and here's Thor. He's been doing stuff, and he's lost a lot of people. And you know, it, it just you just jump into it based on um, based on where these characters are at the last point you saw them, and you just have to get on with it uh, because the film yeah. doesn't have time to tell you who they are because it's too busy telling you who Thanos is. Uh, and that's fine. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's fine as far as I'm concerned because I love this stuff. But um, I think it's a brave decision to put a film together that just tells its story like that because we talked about how the Avengers tried to kind of have it both ways by introducing the characters well enough for that film and still connecting it all. But this is the, you know, this is the, assuming you're rewarding you for all the homework you've done, you know, this is your, you can do what you want now. We'll just enjoy the ride and that's it. And I wonder if yeah. I wonder what the storytelling means for cinema in, its, in, in itself. You know, the the fact is, are are more films going to do that? You know, especially sequels and things. Are they just going to throw you right in and expect you to get on with it? And um, I wonder if other lesser established cinematic universities will start doing that without having done the homework at first. It could be a problem, actually. <laughs> Imagine um, Dark Universe if it did I don't first. no, I don't think so. I think this is <laughs> Um I don't think that this is a problem necessarily. I don't think that other I mean if other franchises follow follow this without doing the proper kind of setup work uh then it's on them. Uh you know, if it doesn't work. I think that this is an unprecedented in the in the filmmaking world, I don't think this has happened before. You know, a film that's nineteenth in sequence, and it's the no, the culmination of all nineteen movies. Yeah, you know, like it has never been done before, and I don't think that it's kind of 
I don't know. I, I, I don't know that it's fair to assume that oh, everybody's gonna start doing this because you know, as we've all witnessed, like DC tried, you know, like a little bit, and it already has backfired. So it's not the kind of thing that you rush into. It's the kind of thing that you take time with, yeah. and not a lot of franchises will have the time and the ability to take the time. So I don't think that it's something that we should worry about necessarily. Um, in, in, in cinema, like, I don't think that this changes any game, um, you know, the, any more so than the MCU has changed the game already. You know, it's it's just, it's something that, you know, they've done really well, but they have taken their time. And, you know, slowly but surely, we've come to this, like, magnificent, like, two-hour, like, behemoth that is the, 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 the ultimate climax for 18 movies. That is, yeah, like, I, I don't know that there's any other... Uh, sort of cinematic universe or, or franchise that comes close. Maybe do you think Star Wars could do it? Maybe? Or if they did the... Wasn't hmm. there a plan a while ago but that... They always, they always have like the... Yeah, they have their individual tale. Yeah. I don't, I don't think Star Wars is going to set up a, mm. you know, an interconnected yeah. series of solo films that culminates in some epic thing. Yeah. Wasn't there a no. rumour ages ago that Game of Thrones was going to do a big film? But I suppose that is just a finale, then. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, that might yeah, have been exactly. like they were going to do a, a feature-length one, maybe. I mean, I guess I guess Star Trek has sort of done this, as in, you know, you get the Star Trek films. Uh, I'm talking about the, you know, the pre-2009 Star Trek films. They're a continuation of the TV series, but they don't necessarily mm. introduce the characters to you. They expect you to know who they are. So, although you get introduced to what those characters are doing in that film, so it's it's different in that way. So, now nah, this is yeah, this is completely unprecedented. I think um, I don't think we can compare it to anything, and that's what makes it so difficult to review as a film because I'm reviewing it as a, or I was reviewing yeah. it as a as a part of some whole that I'm. It's not a standalone, yeah. yeah. It's not, and it's not designed to be. And trying to compare it as such is difficult. I mean, it'd be like. It's, it'd be like watching an episode of Game of Thrones and starting in season three, episode four, and being expected to understand everything that's mm. going on. You just can't do it because that's not what the show is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that's fine, I guess. But I think if, I mean, clearly this guy who wrote the article in Den of Geek got something out of it when he went in. You know, he enjoyed it for he or she. I don't know. I can't remember. They enjoyed it for whatever you know, for whatever yeah. reasons that they stipulated. So and you'll have a lot of people that have only seen bits and pieces of them. So, you know, the, the, not everyone will have seen everything. Uh, Black Panther will be the one that people might arguably have not have seen because it's not out yet on home media. You know, you'll have a lot of people that oh, don't true, go to cinema, yeah. you know, or, or only go to the cinema. Well, they do. Either. That's why it, people have gone to the cinema to see it, though. That's why it's taken over a billion whatever. Yeah. Jimmy. But there'll be a lot of people who haven't. You know, there's a lot of people that only go to see Yeah, but the people who haven't... Yeah, but the people who haven't gone to see it are the people who won't be as keen as you or I. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. For wanting to know what happens. Yeah. You know, they care less, maybe. Maybe. But if you think about it... I don't know. If you think about it in the terms of this person, this hypothetical person that only goes to the cinema, like, twice a year, 
So they pick a film very carefully, and maybe the you know the Marvel film that they choose is the Avengers. So the other three that is out that year, whatever it is, don't get considered. You know that mm. that does happen. I know people that that does happen for. You know where they choose their films very carefully because it costs a lot. It's weird though. I know, but it's weird though that you would pick one of yeah. the films out of all of them and not and not see all of them when they work so hard to connect with each other. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and I don't really have the answer, I mean, uh, as to what what the best, or the best thing to do is watch all 18 of them and then go watch this, but, you know, the... Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, yeah. Or watch a good chunk of them, anyway. I don't think I've seen, I don't, have I seen all of them? I don't know. Well, I'm more excited to see Black Panther after seeing, like, Okoye and Shuri and stuff. Yeah, I, don't know I think you'll I enjoy like, it. I can't really afford this, I'll, I'll just wait. I wonder, if mm. I wonder if their appearance in this film will, like, boost Blu-ray sales, you know, like, next month. Well, I imagine so, yeah, like... Or this month. Yeah, for, yeah for people who've missed that one. Yeah. I'm like, well, I'll catch up with them now, because now I can, like, I can afford to, you know, if it's the same price, you know, well, pretty much the same price to buy it on DVD as it is, like, to go to the cinema. Yeah. It's like, yeah, like 15 quid or whatever. So I think yeah, a lot of people will be like, oh, I'll catch up with it on DVD sales. Which I think is why... Because it's only out, like, in the cinemas in February or January. Yeah. And it's, and it's coming out... Yeah. And where's it coming out at the end of this month? Yeah. So they're really, like, weeks, knock, they're yeah. knocking it right out. Like, oh, let's get it on sale now while everyone's talking about Marvel movies. Yeah. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's an interesting mm-hmm. one. It's just... Yeah. It is something, but it's, when you're watching this film, you're watching a part of cinema history because it is the first time you've seen something like that. You know, you go see the original Jurassic Park. That's the first time that CGI has been used in that way, and it's remarkable. You go see Titanic, and it's remarkable for what it achieved in terms of visual effects and um, mm. Avatar. You know, all those sequels that no one wants. It's the first time that technology has been used in that way. You know, it's mm. one of those landmarks. Never saw it. <laughs> it wasn't. Fair enough. Wasn't great. It's, it's all right. It's but it's, no, it's one. Works it's in one, the cinema. Never yeah. saw it. It's one to see in the cinema, though. That's the thing. Gravity is another one. You know, that's important for that. Oh, I really want to see that. I still haven't seen it yet. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Important oh, that's really that, good. None of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Avatar. Yeah. I chose. I chose not to see that. Like, I just thought that like Fern Gully meets Pocahontas, and I was like, I don't really need to see that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. It was Pocahontas with blue people. You're not missing much apart from like, it was it was pretty, but that's it. Mm. And used 3D in an interesting way, which almost no film does. Well, I'm sad now, only for that one little part. Mm. But meh, I'll go over it. Yeah. I mean, this um, film doesn't use 3D in an interesting way. So, as a final point, <laughs> as a final point, eh. Uh, what would you like to see in the next film and what do you think the Marvel Cinematic Universe will look like once these characters once the main original characters disappear I'm not talking about disappear in the sense of they'll be erased or whatever like when they leave for whatever reason they decide to leave I've definitely spoken about my my theory what I think is going to happen um, with in terms of what I think the MCU will look like or uh, in 
definitely a passing on the baton situation because I don't think they're dumb enough to stop, you know, doing this. Um, you know, I think we'll enter a different storytelling arc, perhaps. Maybe they'll change the format, you know, to, to prevent people from being fatigued from too many superhero movies. You know, obviously we can't have too much of the same thing because people will be like, ah, whatever, it's new. It's, it's not new. Like, we've seen this before. So they will have to innovate the format in some way. I'm excited to see where that will go. Um, I'm excited to hopefully see more, you know, more Peter Parker and more T'Challa and, you know, like perhaps perhaps a new Avengers team. You know, there's all these new characters in the comics. You know, Thor is a woman. Maybe Valkyrie could be the new Thor. That would be exciting. Yeah. Um, you know, like like just seeing seeing new people take on the mantle and and seeing what they can do with that. You know, maybe Bucky could be the new captain. Maybe Falcon could be the new captain. Both of them have had this role. So you know, it's 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 open season. It would be interesting to see. I'm gonna miss Chris Evans a lot because he's great. But you know, like he can go on to do other things. You know, like he's not going anywhere permanently, so it's fine. Uh, but I'm gonna miss Steve Rogers, like as Cap. Like he's he's fantastic. Um, but it's okay. You know, like I'm I'm open to new and exciting things as long as the story is good. I'm here, you know, I'm, I'm sold forever and ever to Marvel and Disney. You can, yeah, just like do, do whatever as long as it's good. Yeah. Well, you've got like Shuri can be your resident tech genius and, and so on. Mm. So you've got these different little bits. Um, I would kind of like to see something a bit smaller scale because you can't top the scale of this film and presumably the next That's one. true. So the kind of next mm-hmm. Avengers films should be maybe more personal conflicts or whatever else mm. you know i mean you'll have much less powerful characters i think i mean dr strange will still be there i suppose depending on how mm. many films cumberbatch has been you know tied into um so with a lot of your heavy hitters gone you'll have to kind of change things up a little bit uh, different there's different characters they can bring in obviously the x-men and fantastic four are more than likely going to be introduced in this universe and I actually mm. think part of whatever Flashpoint-style resolution the next film will have might have the... The world is mostly the same, except there's mutants now, for some reason. Ooh, that you would know. be interesting. <laughs> and then that's it. All right. That, that ties it up. That's it. It's solved. You know, you just have Wolverine walk on at the end and be like, hey, bub, and then that's it. And that, that's, <laughs> you know, um, that would work for me. Uh, Fantastic mm. Four, I would love to see what they decide to do with that. I know that they've been making a lot of noise about John Krasinski and Emily Blunt doing those films, doing that mm. film, you know, but I don't know. I think that's just rampant speculation versus what actors actually want to do. Mm. I would love it if Johnny Storm, this version of Johnny Storm, whatever race he is, I don't care, uh, mm. is the same age as Peter Parker. That'd oh, be cool. that'd be cool. Yeah. Maybe introduce him in the next Spider-Man film in some way. You know, I don't know. Uh, all that stuff. Uh, what they do with the X-Men will be interesting. Mm. I don't know what you do in, in the context of this universe and uh, how you, uh, I suppose, essentially reboot them for this universe. But um, I'm excited to see more. And I think that it's in a good place to kind of move forward and do different things. Mm. Yeah. Plus, there's an awful lot, awful lot of TV stuff in development, like the new Warriors that will have Squirrel Girl, squirrel girl in it and all that <laughs> stuff. Uh, I um I just think that it gets a point though where it's there's too many 
And it's like what Thanos would do. Let's just make <laughs> however many Avengers or superhero films we want to make. Let's decide on a number and then only make half of those. Because there are too many. Like, it's just becoming so, like, dense of stuff that's good and then stuff that's really crap. And it means that it's really harder to, like, find the things which are enjoyable. And you have to, you feel like you have to watch some of the crap to get some of the story from things. Like, I'm not interested in the TV shows whatsoever. And it's like what you said, you know, what are they going to do after this? This is, like, as big as you can get. This is someone who can manipulate and control every single aspect of anything. Where do you go after that? How about you don't go anywhere? How about it just stops? How about we find, uh, you know, we enjoy maybe the next one if they're going to have a solution to like this and a way of like salvation or whatever. But like then maybe they could do something else it's like what i say about spider-man like stop making spider-man just make something else well so the problem disney with disney money. yeah the problem <laughs> with disney is that right now they're at a crux where they're making these movies they're making star wars and they are making live action remakes of everything they've already made so i don't think i think that this is probably the best bet we're getting for original content because otherwise, all we're stuck with is reboots of of your favorite animated Disney movies. Yeah, and but that's frankly, not all we can watch. You know, like there's more than mm. than these. Companies. I mean, absolutely. Like I want I want more original stuff in my life, but you know, that's not necessarily what studio execs thinks will make them money. So I I don't think that the end of the MCU at large, is in sight right now. Um, that's a shame. I think that's we'll unfortunate. See. Yeah, going out on a high would be great. I agree. But I, I don't mm. know that they would make that sensible choice. I don't know. We'll see. It just means, you know, like, you keep on making them, you make them and make them, and then, like, you know, ten years in the future, how many years will that have been that they've spent making these? Like, they'll, they'll just be one of these yeah, things yeah. that you know how many just movies goes like yeah. how many are you going to go on with like yeah you will have to end it at some point for sure well, they do have infinite source material and infinite characters and they could do yeah you know there's decades of stuff in here and there but, is potential to make good movies like i, I don't think that yeah yeah like i don't think that going on is necessarily you know, going to mean a drop in quality or, like, you know, films that you won't be able to keep up with. Like, this is essentially a chance for a fresh, clean slate. Mm. Like like Craig said, you know, like, after this, it would be something else. You know, who knows? Maybe we'll be, we'll enter a Star Trek-like alternate dimension where, yeah. you know, something yeah. happens and everything is new, you know? Um, yeah. And whether people choose to watch those or not, then that, you know, would yeah. be a question of choice. Yeah. And if we're tired of them, then the box office will speak and then maybe they'll stop making yeah. them. Yeah, because I feel like this could be the bit where they lose me. You know, if they do this yeah, thing possible. where mm-hmm. they bring everyone back and that's fine. But then they decide, well, Captain America is not going to be Captain America anymore. So they think, well, we'll get somebody else to do that. We'll get a whole new Avengers team We'll try it out. It's like when S Club Seven became like S Club Twenty Five. Nobody gives the crap. Yeah, you know? I can't yeah, believe yeah, that's like sure. the one, the one example my head has gone to. 
<laughs> but like, you get me? Like, you don't. Right, no. Like, why bother? Yeah. <laughs> Although films like Black Panther have proven that audiences are willing to accept new characters. That you know. Yeah, but that's not. He's not replacing anyone. He's just no. an additional thing. So it's not like yeah. then going right. Oh, the Avengers are going to become all these like new people. And maybe they you know, will have them. You know, they'll just have different characters in there. You know, like it's like that whole thing of like. I don't know. When they did the whole new origins of Spider-Man and stuff, I was a bit like, why bother? Like, just, you know, I know it's because of the money thing, but I yeah. wish it had been for something other than that. Yeah. Um, Isaac, what do you want to see from, like, Phase 4 and beyond? And Oh, well, I've, the one Marvel comic character that I like is finally arriving after about 28 years of being Captain. <laughs> so we're finally getting Captain Marvel. I've been waiting yeah. for ages. So that's what I'm looking forward to the most. Other than that, I want to see a really weird Doctor Strange. I think really, really weird Doctor Strange movie. I think I've do super weird ones or like super sort of like sort of not superhero movies just for superheroes in them. So mm-hmm, do like mm-hmm. a could do a straight up comedy or a rom com with some of them, or do a I don't know a horror or something. Mm. Well, kind of go, oh, we can do like thinking of Marvel. We can just just do whatever we want. There's no real risks. Yeah. Because as long as you do like the odd, occasional sort of traditional superhero movie, it'd be a waste to just sort of do the same thing. Especially mm. to after Black Panther and stuff like, and that was like, that's oh, great because we've got like a, a film like it's you know set in Africa and it's like and it's not like a, what's the word? I can't think now. Like if it was set in England, it'd be exactly the same. But they've got no real set in yeah. Africa. Yeah. So like. Yeah. We could do more stuff like that, like, I don't know, I don't really know if there's any, like... Superheroes of the make, world. Yeah, superheroes of the world. Or make up new ones. Like, they don't have to be from comics, just make up a, mm-hmm. make up a brand new one. Uh, yeah. Well, I feel like they're, they're kind of getting that sort of ground for the whole comic thing and, like, rom-com thing by, by introducing us on a, like, to Deadpool. Like, I'm really excited for the next one coming out. And yeah, maybe we're going to see more of that sort of, like... I think more, like... It'd be nice to see one where they, like it doesn't have to have like a, a villain or a plot or anything. It'd be quite nice to see one where I don't know if it's just like a I'm not sure, but like like The Office is something like a mockumentary. Oh yeah, this is the Avengers. <laughs> or, <laughs> that would be fantastic. <laughs> yeah, like it doesn't have to be you know oh there's a villain in this one there's a plan, or it could be like maybe it's just some guy. There was I've not read it, but there was this. There's a story a while ago about like one X Man, like one of the X Men, and he's like the most powerful X Men ever or whatever. But he hasn't actually got, he can't, he has no powers that are like strategically valuable. So I think like mm. he can just make like his hand blow up or something. It's a bit stupid, <laughs> but like everyone, everyone's after him, and he's like, well, I'm not, I can't do anything. I'm just, a, I just, I just work in like Tesco or something. Like he's, he's not an actual X Men. He, he doesn't want to. He, he couldn't fight. He couldn't do anything. He's just a, a dude. So yeah, it's like, like the most redundant superhero yeah, powers like ever. ever. So maybe they just do stories where it's like you don't have to have. So do do a couple of normal ones. Let's do like, some really yeah. weird ones. Yeah. Like. I hope they're listening to you. <laughs> yeah. Do Kevin Feige needs some ideas. You know, we'll, yeah. we can give them some. We'll, we'll take the Marvel money. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think. Yeah, I think. Essentially, what they're doing now is they do, you know, you do the traditional ones like this, well, or, or like 
I don't know. Well, yeah, like this. Well, we'll say like this. I mean, that's different, but it is traditional in some sense. But uh, they are doing the more out there ones, you know, Doctor Strange, even though it's kind of familiar format wise, it's, you know, it's, it's a bit new and different and Black Panther certainly is. Uh, so yeah, what they're doing now is, is pretty workable. And it's, I've seen people suggest online that the comic books are currently being used as a test bed just for ideas that they can eventually put in the films. And I kind of agree with that. I think that, you know, they're waiting to see what a small audience, relatively small audience, because comic books don't make money, um, a relatively small audience responds to and then retooling it, taking all the good bits, changing things up, and then putting it on screen. And I think that um, that's a possible workable strategy as well. It's just acknowledging that your comics aren't going to make money, but you can make something out of them, you know, that kind of thing. Mm. Yeah. It's an interesting one. But I will be in the mm. MCU until probably I die, not until it dies. Because... Yeah, be well, that's going to be first, like, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A thousand years of Marvel. <laughs> Imagine, <laughs> one thousand down, like, yeah, just <laughs> nuts. That'd be great. Well, well if, if the planet makes it that long. Yeah, well, it's, I mean, it's been an experiment ten years in the making, and it's stronger than it ever was, so... That's almost a thousand. It's 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 a multiple of it, yeah. Or a thousand <laughs> is a multiple of ten, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's all good. So yeah, there's some ideas. Uh, we should wrap up, I think, because mm. this is quite a long one. Yeah. It's always going to be. So <laughs> yeah. Uh, any final thoughts from anybody before we wrap up? I yeah, I just really quickly want to say that I enjoyed this film far more than my voice or thoughts. like I did (laughs) I really enjoyed it and as soon as I left the next day I was like let's go and see that again and uh, we didn't we haven't yet but I'm going to go and see it again like I I I really enjoyed it and even though some sloppy fighting scenes and like total devastation I really enjoyed the sort of uh, ultimate direction that they're heading into it's kind of like Toy Story 3 for grown-ups. Yeah. I think Toy Story 3 was Toy Story 3 for grown-ups. <laughs> right, well, thanks, Craig. You've ruined it. Well, I get what you, you mean, though. I get what you mean. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's devastating. Yeah, yeah uh, I think so. it was definitely more of a an adult film. Like, I struggle to think, you know, this is still a 12A, but a lot of really terrifying stuff happens in it. Um, I struggle to think how, you know really young children will cope with this movie. It's very much a movie for grown-ups, I think. Um, grown-ups are at least, you know, teenagers and up, you know, like, yeah. kids under 12, good luck. Uh, the, you know, the even though... 12 <laughs> Yeah, you know, like, like, technically, parents can take their young children in, but, A, there's a lot of, there's a lot of terrible violence, there's a lot of really terrifying scenes, you know, uh, Nebula being tortured being one. I, I think, you know, that's going to haunt me, and I'm nearly 30, so, you know. Um, but, that, like, all of that being said, it's it's such an emotional roller coaster, um, a brilliant action-packed film. There's lots of character development for lots of characters. I've read, um, you know, reviews that say that, oh, you know, there's, you know, that people don't really get a lot of room to grow, but I beg to differ. I think there's a lot 
that happens, you know, with with the Guardians, with Thor, with, you know, Iron Man, with Spider-Man, with, you know, of course, Thanos, like, being another key character. There's a lot that happens character-wise that's fantastic. Uh, so it's not just a dumb, action-filled superhero movie without, you know, th th there's a lot of juice, there's a lot of meat to this story-wise and character-wise, and it's a brilliant, brilliant watch. Yes, you do need to have seen some things in order to make sense of it, but those are also fun. So, all in all, it's a win-win, I think. Cool. Isaac, any final thoughts? Uh, that was a good one, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's not that, like, ultimately. Hey! Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Cool. Yes. Uh, my final thought is that I I loved it. Um, it does. I mean, there, there are points where I've I've been walking to work or whatever, and end up thinking about the scene where Spider Man dies, and I feel a bit mm. upset again. It's like, I don't know. It's staying with me. I mean, I've seen it three times now, uh, but it's stayed with me. You know. How do you find the time to see that three times? Um, there are more than one of me. Yeah. <laughs> I've got the Surprise. time for it. I just rewind time and then, no. Uh, I don't know. I just do somehow. Sometimes I make the time if it's important and I want to see stuff again. And um, I am, yeah, it's just one that it stuck with me. You know, I know that there's going to be some reset button pressed at some point, as, you know, to a degree, but it doesn't change the fact that, you know, it upset me. And it's, it's not very often that I'll come out of a film being emotionally affected to that degree, so... You know, it just shows my level of investment mm. in this universe and, and the fact that it can just stick with me. And, you know, I'm going to watch these films until until they stop making them, which I hope is never. Uh, yeah. Same. <laughs> you know, that's it. That's it. I'm, I'm a lifelong fan. You know, they've, they haven't made any films that are objectively terrible, like some other franchises have. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, just love it. Can't wait for part two. You know, it's, it's a long wait to get the resolution of this cliffhanger. Definitely. And, yeah. That's my final thought. Really. Yeah. Yeah. Go and see yeah. it if you've not already. Yeah. So I will thank you for showing up and participating in this lengthy recording mm -hmm. of this film. So, uh, Natalie, thank you very much for appearing. Thank you for having me. But I do feel myself disappearing. Yeah, oh, you're one of the half of the universe. Isaac, thanks for being home and signing in. Hey. And Kat, thanks very much. Thank you for having me. Till next time. The final thing I'll say is I wish you farewell and good luck, morons. So, that was our discussion on Avengers Infinity War. A special thanks to YouTubers Dagma and Enstens1117 for the supplied music. If you like what you heard, then please do hit that subscribe button on iTunes, YouTube, or any major podcasting app. iTunes users, if you could give us a star rating of some sort, that would be very much appreciated. If you have any thoughts on what was discussed here, then hit us up on Facebook and Twitter under Neil Before Blog, or leave us a comment under the article on neilbeforeblog.co.uk. A big thank you for powering through the audio issues, and we hope you'll join us on the next Neil Before Pod. <laughs> <laughs>